Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bikini Podcast. This is episode number 26 and today we're with New South Wales overall champion as well as Arnold Classic short class champion, Shannon Jennings. Shannon, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm super excited, a little bit nervous. Nah, you'll be fine. So before we get into the competing side of things, I wanted to ask you the first question. How old are you? Seven. Okay. Yeah, 27. Um, I think some people think I'm a little bit younger. I have a little bit of a young face, but yeah, no, I'm 27. Yeah, I thought so too. I was thinking maybe a bit about 25. Is that like a common answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Closer to 25. How long have you been competing for? So I've actually been competing for five years now. I started in 2015. I've always competed in IFBB. So I have been through all the numerous changes with the IFBB. Yeah, so many, especially the posing for bikini. Um, But yeah, no, five years I've been competing. So give me your contest history and how did you go in your first contest? Uh, So I actually won every single one of my comps as a junior. Which, oh, really? is, which is really bizarre because I think if you saw the photos of me, um, I wouldn't stand a chance with what the juniors look like now. Um, it was a little bit different back then. Like, I don't think girls were really as muscular. It's definitely changed since I was a junior. But I won all my shows as a junior. I won, it was in Queensland, the Amateur Olympia when it was in Australia. Oh, yeah, I remember that um, one. Yeah, I think that was the one that Kara got her pro card in the Opens. I think it was, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I won that. And then I had a little bit of time off before I competed as an Open athlete. Um, and then I didn't do amazing two years ago. My first season as an Open athlete, I really wasn't happy with the New South Wales show. Yeah. Then we went to Arnold's. I did make top six at Arnold's, which I was pretty happy with. And then I had two years off and came back with a little bit of a bang, (laughs) (laughs) which I was excited about. (laughs) So going back to your first Arnold, because I know the class is a little bit different. Were you in class A or were you in class B? Uh, A. I'm always been short. Yeah. Okay. So how how tall are you in centimeters? Uh, 158. Yeah. You just scrape into that class then, I think. Yeah. So I'm in the, the shortest one. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that may have been the case. So... I want to ask you as well, what got you into competing? Oh, it's actually a bit of a longer story. So I was always an endurance athlete. So I was actually a competitive race walker. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So I am. Um, That's so cool. Your tibialis, growing... no wonder your calves are so big. Like your tibialis yeah. <laughs> would be on fire. It, it, it was. So I, um, yeah, I grew up doing that quite competitively. I represented Australia, traveled overseas, mm. um, went to world youth, world juniors, came second at Youth Olympics. Um, So my whole life pretty much was dedicated to try to go to the Olympics for that. (laughs) And then I went to uni to do physiotherapy. And in my last year, it was 35 weeks of full-time placement. Yeah. Um, So I didn't really have the time to train for the level I was at at that point. So Mm. I decided to have a year off competing in race walking. And at the time, I was working at a gym on the weekends. And Mark Gretsch... Mm-hmm. Um, I think a few of you would know Mark Gretsch. He was the manager of the gym at the time. And I don't know, I kind of just decided to compete. I always wanted to train for something. So this gave me a bit of a goal. And he was my very first coach. And that's yep. how it all started. And I've never, never looked back. Love it. So everyone that's listening that doesn't know Mark Gretsch or Gretchy is the IFB New South Wales Pro League promoter. 
Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. So I want to hear about your transitioning phase where, you know, because obviously you know what it takes to compete and to train at elite level. Can you go on and talk about, you know, the experience of transitioning from race walking to bodybuilding? Um, you don't need as much willpower, I guess, when you're an endurance athlete. You can kind of eat whatever you want. <laughs> so definitely a bodybuilding, you need a lot more willpower. Um, you definitely need a stronger mindset. Not that you, I didn't need a stronger mindset as an endurance athlete, but you, you kind of just go through your training as a normal part of life. You don't really, like you don't have temptation. You don't have as, you still have sacrifices, but it's, the training was more, but mentally it's a, competing's a lot harder. I need to be honest with you. I wasn't really expecting that answer. Jeez. So yeah, definitely. what were the, you know, what was the typical day like for you as a race walker versus now competing so you know if you could put a timeline did you train for a couple hours a day is it morning and night how did you plan your training yeah so i would get up and do like a it depended on the day so we did um long walks or we'll do fartleks or speed sessions so yeah. our training was a lot different we did a lot of cross training so um i might have gone for like a long run in the morning um, done a little bit of like a core session. My the, my idea of strength back then was like push ups, sit ups, <laughs> and yeah. a plank. That was literally it. Um, and then another session at night. So always two sessions. Um, in summer, I would go to Falls Creek for altitude training. So I would kind of stay there for a month or so. Um, and that was like very, very full on training whenever we went away for our altitude training camps. Yeah. Um, we would usually do that before big comps as well. So kind of go away for altitude training and then come back just before a big race. So how, um, how long would you do that for? If was it like an eight week period into peak to a comp for, altitude? A for a race? Yeah. Oh no, only for a few weeks. Yeah. And yeah. no, I would only go away for a few weeks at a time. Um, where now bodybuilding, I do do two sessions sometimes, but I'm a hundred percent a morning person. Yeah. I love getting up early, doing my cardio, eating weights done for the day. Like I will sometimes do two sessions, but yeah, I'm a hundred percent a morning person. So most of the time you smash it out in the morning, you wouldn't necessarily go back, let's say to do cardio. If you were in prep, would you do a cardio session at nighttime? No. So I, my, my coach always wanted me to, but especially with my work, sometimes I would struggle. So I would actually get up at probably like 3.30 doing prep, do my fasted cardio, eat breakfast, do weights, and then stay and do the rest of my cardio. Okay. And, so um, I was at the gym for like four hours straight. Oh, really? So how, yeah. how, long, how long were you a weight training session for? Uh, depending what body part, about an hour to 90 minutes, but I would always stay and do my posing too. Yeah. And then if you factor in sitting down to eat my breakfast, I was literally at the gym for about four hours. Yeah, that's cool. So how long were you practicing posing? Was it for you know, 10, 15 minutes, half an hour? And was that just after your training? Probably 10 to 15. Some yeah. on the weekends, I would try allocate some more time for it or get someone to come watch me. Mm -hmm. um, one of my biggest regrets is not getting a posing coach for Arnold. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that, was not, that was actually a question that I was going to ask you. If I had a posing coach? Yeah, if you had a posing coach. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have one. Did you look at um, anyone? Or were you just like, nah, I'm good? Yeah, honestly, I couldn't even tell you why. Like, there was never, it wasn't really a distinct decision. Like, I was never like, oh, I don't need one. Mm. Because I definitely need one. But 
I probably didn't realize how much I did need one until it was done. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially things like the back walk. Yes. I really, really struggled with that. Um, and my friend who competed, she tried to teach me, her posing coach was Steph. And yep. she was trying to teach me some tips the night before Arnold's. And I actually think that made it worse because I was like trying to do what she said, trying to not think about it. So yeah, I definitely, when I compete again, will hundred percent be getting a posing coach. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cause I, I noticed that as well. Like, um, and I think I mentioned it probably in the wrap up. I thought, you know, your condition was really good. Your fullness was really good at the Arnold, but I think one thing you can improve on is definitely your posing on the next time. So just not just, I think you hit your mandatories okay. It was more the transitions and the walk to the rear. Yeah, no, I think I would 100% agree. I'm pretty happy with my front pose, like when I'm still. Like when I'm still, I think I'm okay. But yeah. definitely transitions and walking to the rear, um, I definitely underestimated that. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of an art to it. So, yeah, no, I'll definitely get a posing coach next time it's really cool for, you know, someone that's obviously been as successful as you to say, Hey, look, you know, I made a mistake and this is what I'm going to do differently next time. So for any of the newbies out there, don't make that same mistake, get a posing coach. And it doesn't matter necessarily who it is. If your posing coach is one step ahead of where you're at, that's probably the best way to start. And then you can figure out, you know, obviously as you learn, you can move on to someone better, but the main thing you need to do, start practicing and then obviously look at getting a coach. And there's plenty of coaches online that you can look at. And I'm obviously, Everyone knows who I recommend, but you can do some research for yourself and, and figure it out. So you, I, oh, yep. sorry, you go. No, no go, you go, go. go. I was just going to say, do you, um, cause obviously a few of your female clients do posing. Yeah. Um, do yeah. you recommend certain people for say people's um, body type or personalities, or do you just let them choose themselves? So I let them choose themselves because I think like if they, if someone asks me, I'll go, these are my recommendations. So in the past, for example, I would say, you know, Ebony, Renee, Steph, these, yeah. these are the girls I recommend. And then if someone's in Queensland, then I say, I say, what do you want? And if they're like, I want a one-on-one person and then I'll go straight away, go to Steph. I don't even talk about Ebony or Renee because obviously they yeah, want that, that one-on-one experience. So it depends mm-hmm. on where they're at. Someone's in Victoria. It makes logical sense to go with, um, with Ebony, but obviously a lot of these girls now, especially this COVID-19, everyone's doing Zoom calls or WhatsApp, you know, video calls, FaceTime, et cetera. So it's yeah. sort of a lot easier to get some posing in. But obviously, especially for a newbie, I can understand why they want that one-on-one experience. If they haven't done posing before, people are like, oh, you know, do I do a Zoom call or do I do a video call? But really, they want to have that first session, the second session and consecutive sessions in person. So I understand that. So it just depends on where they're at. But um, the main thing really is is that you get someone that, for anyone that's listening, have a conversation with the posing coaches that are out there and ha- and find someone that clicks with you. So, you know, you might find a posing coach is really good results, but you just don't click personality wise. Communication's not there. So you need to do your research. Yeah. I think that would be really important having a good relationship with them as well. Yeah. hundred percent. So I'm going to ask you, who, who are you looking at for your posing coach? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think. You're going to do research maybe. I th- Yeah. I think off the top of my head, I would probably pick, I would probably go with Steph. Yep. Um, my friend who competed, she went with Steph and she had nothing but amazing things to say about her. Um, I've met Steph a few times and um, like we get along. She's a nice person. I love her posing. So I would probably go with Steph. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But we'll have to see. For anyone that's listening, I did get a bunch of questions on Instagram DMs and um, just through the questionnaire. So I'm happy about that. 
So wanted to go through some questions that I've received. But one question that I have is, how did you feel about the Queensland results? And I'll just say quickly that Shannon went on and did, so the Queensland show, the New South Wales, and then on to the Arnolds. So I, in Queensland, was actually just really happy with how I looked on the day. So having two years off, you know, I spent the whole prep just wondering what was underneath. Yeah. Um, so on the day, I was just super happy, like so proud of myself, couldn't have been happier. Um, I knew the Queensland lineup was quite tough. Um, I knew Christina was traveling to Queensland as well. So I knew it was going to be a tough lineup. So um, I was actually pretty happy, to be honest, yeah. um, with, with the result. I, wasn't, I definitely wasn't disappointed. Um, obviously, it would be nice to place or win, but I, I couldn't, I would be lying if I said I was disappointed because I was actually just really happy with how I looked um, on the day. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, was it a week later? No, no, two weeks later, you went on and did the New South Wales show where you won the overall. So yeah. I wanted to ask you, you know, what did you do from, because I think that you remarkably improved from the Queensland show to the New South Wales. And even, you know, I thought, well, seeing you in person, the Arnold's probably a little bit different, but you definitely improved significantly in terms of conditioning and fullness. So what did you do differently from the Queensland show to the New South Wales and then to, to the Arnold's? So it was at first I wasn't doing the New South Wales show at all. Um, we thought it was probably a little bit too close to um, Arnold's to peak twice. So I was never doing the New South Wales show. And then I went to the, sorry, this is a roundabout answer. Oh, we're good. Um, I went to the posing workshop for IFBB in Sydney and so many people there were just like, you know, why aren't you doing it? You know, you can, because I was worried about my tan and stuff as well. And they're like, don't stress about that. Um, anyway, so pretty much there I got convinced to jump in it. And so me and my coach made a plan. I would peak as normal for Queensland. Yeah. Um, New South Wales, we would do absolutely nothing. So just die as normal, chuck a tan on and jump on stage as is. Yeah. And then start depleting the next day, deplete for two days and carb up for two days for Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after Queensland, so I did my normal deplete. So my normal peak week is water loading, which I know you don't do a lot of, um, to up until that point, I had never been in a show where I haven't water loaded. So yeah. Queensland, I water loaded, depleted, carved up. Um, and I was still happy with how I looked. I think I was quite flat, very dry. Um, and then going into New South Wales, we did nothing. So I didn't water load, which was the first time I've never water loaded. Um, I didn't do any kind of depletion and I actually didn't do a carb up either. Yeah. Um, I think New South Wales was probably the best I looked out of all three shows. Mm. We didn't change anything between New South Wales and Arnold's. It was only like four days. Um, for whatever reason, I don't think I looked as good at Arnold's as New South Wales, um, but I had the, the same diet. So pretty much yeah. I, I did, we didn't change anything going into New South Wales and Queensland. Uh, sorry, New South Wales and Arnold's. Arnold's. Yeah. Do you think that, so is it, was a, when you're saying that you don't think you look as good at the Arnold, is that looking back at photos and video or how did you get that feeling? I think a little bit of both. I mean, I, I w the photos from Arnold's were, weren't as good as like in normal stage photos. Like I think the lighting was a little bit different. Yeah. The, yeah, the lighting um, was very orange. Yeah. Um, and just even on the day, like 
I don't know if it was because the show was maybe in the morning. Um, I, I couldn't really tell you why I didn't think I looked as good, but I think I just, I looked a lot fuller in New South Wales. Like I looked full, I looked lean. Yeah, where I think probably, probably yeah. yeah, not not having in the same amount of food. And um, I noticed that was the same with Prudence. I think, um, you know, we were definitely fuller in Queensland and then mm. Prudence wasn't as full for the Arnold. So um, completely get that, but probably not getting enough meals in really. I think it could be the morning. Yeah, I think it could be the morning shows. Because yeah, it, it makes sense. Like it's so much easier to peak for a later show, especially if you need to dry out. Like it depends. Everyone has different methods if they're cutting water, not cutting water, but you generally get tighter as the day goes on. And I think the fullness is yeah. there because you obviously keep eating and the meals are in. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think um, the nighttime shows are a bit easier to prep for. So who, who was the person that told you, or this, was it multiple people that were like, when they saw you at the posing clinic, they're like, wow, you need to compete at New South Wales. Was it, is there any judges there? Yeah. Um, head judge. The, head judge, the head judge was there. He didn't necessarily tell me say. that. Okay. Um, I thought he, I thought he hey, would have because I can see him liking your physique. Yeah, no, he, he did. He got me to do a little bit of posing in front of everyone else, which was a bit Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, it was, do you know Kate Morris? She's an IFBB pro for bikini and figure, mm-hmm. I think, both categories. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she mentioned it to me. Um, Ashley Gretsch, um, Nessa um, as well, said that I should do both shows. And then my coach was pretty happy for me to do both shows if I if we didn't change too much going into it. And then it so happened that me us changing nothing, I actually looked better. So it actually worked out to be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, well, look, if all those people are saying for you to compete, you'd be like, hold on a second, maybe we're maybe I should because there's some good names there. And uh, that's Ness Herrera that said that as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was there. I mean, she says that you know that's game over. You got to listen to that. Listen, <laughs> that's exactly right. I want to actually ask you as well. This is one of the questions I have is who's your favorite Australian pro bikini athlete? That's tough. That, do you mean physique wise or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, physique wise. We're not talking personality, bum chums, or, you know, if you know anyone um, on a personal level. <laughs> can, physique wise, yeah. Can you, can you pick different body parts from each pro? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can do that. Um, like, or, you can do whatever you like. I think, I think overall physique, like someone who is just really well proportioned is Steph. I love, I love Steph's physique, but Renee's glutes, you can't really go past. Yeah. Um, I also really like Shanae's physique. Yeah. Shanae's tall, lean, something I'll never be tall. No, <laughs> I think I always like the look of the tall girls cause they just look so long and lean. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, yeah, probably Renee, Steph and Renee's kind of Yeah, Renee's kind of tall as well. She's kind of medium. But uh, that's, that's three different physiques. You got, you got Renee, with the big, Renee with the big glutes. Steph's got good overall flow. I think Shanae's actually improved a lot. I think, um, you know, her physique's looking better now. And she's obviously quite tall as well. So I don't know who's taller. I think maybe Shanae's taller than Renee. I, I would guess so. I'm pretty sure Shanae's pretty short, uh, tall, sorry. Yeah. Question. What's your number one tip when it comes to dieting? Uh, when it comes to dieting in general is consistency, 110%. In terms of dieting for weight loss, my tip would be to be patient. I think people underestimate how long it takes to see results. You know, even for us athletes, it, it takes four or five months for us to diet and get into shape. So I think um, people who don't compete underestimate the length of time that it takes. 
and probably underestimate how consistent they need to be. Like it can't just be a couple of days of eating good and you reward yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I definitely think patience and consistency with diet is, is probably key and, and training to be honest. I think that's everything because a lot of people try to rush the process or get frustrated. I mean, even now in isolation, perfect example, even with the, you know, people like, Oh, is season B going to happen? Because obviously look, Tony Doherty wants to do, you know, wants to run the competitions. It's just a matter of whether or not the government is going to allow it to happen. So people are sort of like up in arms and oh, what am I going to do? But at the end of the day, the goal doesn't change. Your long-term vision doesn't change. You still need to make changes. You still need to train, develop your physique. It doesn't matter if season B is here or not. You still got next season and season A and next year, even season B. So the process doesn't end now because season B is an uncertainty. You've got to move forward and keep training as if it is, because at the end of the day, your, your long-term goal, oh, I want to be a pro. I want to, you know, win a pro show. I want to go to the Olympia stage. It doesn't really matter if season B is going ahead or not, does it? So I think people get no, caught up no. in, in that and consistency, as you said, is everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what happens with season B, I think. When are you competing next? Well, my plan was season B. Um, I'm training as if season B is going ahead. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I'll start dieting. <laughs> I'm, my plan at the moment is to try stay pretty lean so I can start dieting. Um, if needed. Otherwise, um, maybe season A. I do have a holiday booked in December though, um, only for a week to Queensland. So it wouldn't be hard to yeah. um, work around. But hopefully either season B or season A. Um, I'm getting married next August. So season B next year's out. So yeah. that's why I definitely want to try to do one of the coming two. Well, you got a you got a big year. Like it's it's funny. Um, yeah, COVID nineteen is really stuffing everyone up. Because I'm not too sure when the travel ban is going to be lifted, if if at all. Because I think you know, what is your opinion on it all? Do you think later this year, you know, international travels very pretty much unlikely? But what do you think about domestic? Do you think it's going to happen? What is your gut instinct? Your feeling? I I can't see it happening, but I know a lot of people can see it happening. I think in New South Wales at the moment, we can only have one like one visitor you can only have two people so i feel like to go from two people to unlimited number of people walking around an airport getting on a plane together um it's just a really big jump like i think there's lots of steps that have to happen before just free domestic travel gets approved um Yeah, I, I just think there's too many steps and October's a little bit of a push, but we'll, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure they lifted some of the restrictions in Queensland and SA just yesterday. Oh, really? So, what was, do you know what they I'm, were? I'm pretty sure in Queensland um, or in SA, they can now have 10 people together. So I think they've oh, moved really? it from two to 10. Yeah. Wow. So, and I, I don't know what they did in Queensland, but I'm pretty sure Queensland got some restrictions lifted too. I can't wait for restrictions to be lifted, but I guess for me, the only thing I really want to do is go back to the gym. So everything outside of that, it's like, you know what, going to the gym, I would say, and then probably, you know, going out to just to a cafe and be able to sit down and eat, or even get a coffee. Uh, I said the other day, I can't wait to just get a coffee in a mug. Like oh, someone yeah. to bring a coffee in a mug to me instead of a cup, like a plastic cup. <laughs> what, what type of coffee do you like? Are you an almond latte drinker? Oh, I'm a piccolo person. Oh, a really? The little tiny that? coffees. Oh, yeah. that's, not, that's not a proper coffee. 
It's so good. Do you, do you have it for the taste or for the hit or a bit of both? A bit of both. I learned to drink piccolos because I would get, I used to drink skinny caps. And if I sit at a cafe, I'll get a skinny cap. But yeah. um, they were going cold at work because I would treat patients and then it would just be cold and then it would be annoying. Oh, okay. So a piccolo is easy to drink and they actually taste really good. Well, that's not fair. That's a logical answer. I can't pick on you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so going to the next question, uh, we, we spoke about this off air, but have you spoken to the judges about feedback for the show? Um, I have for Queensland. Um, I haven't heard back from Arnold's. I actually only sent an email, uh, I think two weeks ago for my Arnold's feedback. Yeah. Um, the link was gone off their website. So I just had to send an email, but okay. for Queensland, um, my feedback, I was actually really surprised with my feedback. It was all really, really positive. Um, the main, they were happy with my posing. Um, the main thing they said was a better V taper. So, um, width through my back and lats, uh, to give me my upper body and create more of the shape that the bikini class needs. Happy with my symmetry. Um, but yeah, essentially it was mainly my, um, the width of my back. You, you must have grown your back till the Arnold's because, <laughs> because they, they liked you a lot better. I, I don't like, it's obviously I respect the judges feedback. I don't agree with that. I thought, you know, especially in your front shot, you've got a lot of taper. Your shoulder to waist ratio is definitely quite impressive. And I mean, uh, I was there at the Arnold, you know, what was the, um, yeah, I think there was like only 60 people allowed in the audience or something. And I was watching, you know, you girls live on stage and straight away I was drawn to your shoulder to waist ratio when you hit your, you know, your true front or your side shot, whatever you like to call it. So from the rear, maybe you could use a little bit more taper, but I don't think it would really was that much of a big deal. I don't know. Uh, I think um, definitely more so from the rear. Like I actually really like my taper from the front. Yeah. Um, I do think it's one of my um, strengths. Um, but I, I would have to agree from the back. I don't know again, if it's a posing thing, um, whether or not I'm not activating my lats, spreading my lats, um, or if it is just a muscle width, um, and size thing, I would have to get a posing coach to know. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually just jumping on my phone right now and I'm having a look at your rear shot. Yeah, no, actually it's interesting that you, I think you're slightly retracting, so you could probably spread your scapula. Yep. Yeah, I think it is. I think, and it's really hard to, I find it really tricky to spread my lats in that position. Oh, really? You know what you need to do? So for anyone that's listening that struggles with opening up their lats, stretch out your lats. Um, what I'll do when we're off air, I'll send you some stretching exercise to do and you'll be able to get oh, that's that. Amazing. It's like all it is is stretch, 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 and you get that minor muscle connection. So think of it like if you're doing a dumbbell row, and mm. you're like a really heavy row. So like, let's say you're using crappy form and you grab the 30 kilo dumbbell, but not even rowing it. If you just hold it at the bottom position, you're stretching out your lat. That's exactly yeah, what you need to feel when you're um, in this sort of, when you're sort of spreading your scapula to create that lat spread. Um, really I shouldn't call it a lat spread though, but to open up your lats. Um, so yeah, that's if you can recreate that movement, hold onto a bar in the gym and you stretch and you shift your hips out and create that, long deep stretch that hits your lower lat and goes through your upper back you're good to go and then once you have that minor muscle connection so you should stretch straight away i don't know two times 30 seconds each side and then mm -hmm. try to do a lat spread and that should really create enough blood in the muscle that minor muscle connection should be there from the stretch and you should be able to open it up and over time once you get it you get it it's game over yeah that's really interesting i'm going to try that 
I think, um, and it would be interesting because your front post could probably improve a little bit more once you get that lat flare. I think you've got decent lat flare anyway in that front post, but I think it could exaggerate even more. I definitely think that's probably something I need to focus on in my off season is my lats. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you as well in terms of improvements outside of your back development. Is there anything that you'd like to see come up? Outside of my back development and besides my posing, um, I think my, well, you would be able to agree or disagree. I think I'm quite in proportion. Like I think I need bigger glutes. I think I need bigger shoulders. Um, if my waist stayed the same and I got bigger shoulders, bigger glutes, um, I think my quads could probably stay the same. I actually have to try really hard not to grow my quads. Yeah. Um, I think my hemis are okay, but I think generally I'm in pretty good proportion. I just think everything needs to kind of grow together besides my back. Yeah. I think, yeah, your quads, your calves can be left alone. And have you always had those monster calves? Yep, yeah, I don't train calves or quads. Yeah, it's it's cool though. Like you've got, I think you've got enough quad size that's perfect for bikini. So, but I definitely agree with you. Like more more glute, more back development, maybe a tad more on the shoulders, maybe some more rear delt to complement that upper back area. But yeah. I think your delts are quite good. I think there were a strength on stage when you opened up in that front shot because I thought, like even now I'm on your Instagram page and I'm looking at the top four lineup. Oh yep. And yeah, you have a lot of width and it wasn't just that, like what I don't like about photos. And I said this, I've said this a few times on different podcasts is that people look at photos and compare how they look to other people. It's a 2d image. And even a video, you might get some concept of conditioning and fullness, but it's not like seeing it in real life. And I think in in, real life. you look more impressive in, in real life than you do in photos as, as good as you do look in photos, by the way. Thank you. That's nice. So, you know, but, what, what um... I, you know what I don't like when people, post photos strategically knowing when the other person mm-hmm. hasn't hit the pose or they're like, Oh, this is the, this is a rear shot of everyone. I placed third. And it's just like, please just give credit. You where don't it's worry due. about everyone else. Yeah, no. Yeah. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. But it's interesting, you know, speaking to you cause I didn't realize how humble you were. So obviously, you know, you, you're pretty satisfied with the Queensland results. You went on and destroyed the new South Wales lineup. And then, you know, I, I thought you won the, um, the Arnold short class pretty easily uh, as good as Christina it was I thought that your conditioning and you still when I saw you walk out I was just like oh wow that's a problem because I actually said to you <laughs> I had you I didn't even have you on my radar and I'm going to say that publicly on on this podcast I did I was like yeah you know I, I remember seeing you in Queensland I was like you're good but I just thought maybe conditioning needed to be there a bit more fullness and then all of a sudden it's like the universe was listening to me and then you rock up at the Arnold <laughs> And I was just like, oh shit. Because <laughs> obviously, you know, it, I had a couple of girls in that show. It's, it's good being the underdog, but you also never want to be that girl that wins that everyone's like, oh, she shouldn't have won. <laughs> um, no, I don't think that, I, don't, I definitely don't think that was you because I thought um, that you won quite, it wasn't an easy win because Christina did no. look pretty good in second. But I just think it that your, your conditioning and density that you have was just too much um, because it was structurally. A really tough lineup. Yeah, structurally shoulder to waist ratio, you and Christina match up pretty well. And I just think the conditioning probably carried you. And I thought your hair, your hair, your makeup, your tan was also spot on. And even Christina's was quite good too. But when you're comparing, you know, two really good short class athletes, it's down to the finer details. And I think conditioning is what won it for you. 
Yeah, I would have to agree. It, it really was down to the finer details. It was such a tough lineup. So I wanted to ask you now, we're sort of talking about that. So we spoke about the pro athletes. Um, it doesn't have to be in a short class, but on an amateur level, who's an athlete that you sort of impresses you? Or you're like, oh, wow, like I wouldn't want to, you know, verse you in the overall. Um, I definitely Ebony. Yeah. Ebony um, Ebony's amazing and she's in the short class. So I think she... I was a little bit relieved when she wasn't competing at the afterwards. <laughs> I think everyone probably was. Yeah. Um, definitely um, your client, Shell. I think her pose, um, you know, the relaxed pose, so not with your hand on your hip when girls relax their hands down in transitions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her po- relaxed pose is insane. Her waist just looks crazy. No, yeah, I'd... probably those two, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, no I, can, I can see why you say that. I think, yeah, Shell's kind of like a mutant. Her... Her waist, it's like, I say the same thing. Like you obviously look, most people look more impressive in, in person. I think the people that do look more impressive in person tend to have the better conditioning. When you have a photo of someone, a 2D image that isn't in the same condition as someone like you or Shell, they will appear to have more fullness, but sometimes yep. fullness might mean extra body fat and that's not showing in a 2D image. But when you're on stage and you're transitioning, you can see absolutely everything. And that's something that you yeah. definitely have. Yeah, Definitely. Thank you. I want to um, ask you who, so we're talking about your coach. Who's your coach? Um, His name's Raxo. So Raxo, he's from Knockout Nutrition in St. Mary's. Um, My first coach was Mark Gretsch. Yeah. Um, I've been with Raxo my last prep. So two years ago to now. Okay. And, you know, what would you say were the major differences in like a Mark Gretsch prep versus Unicoach? Uh, probably the amount of food that I get. Yeah. Um, I get a lot more food. I think the lowest I got this prep was about 1,700 calories. Um, I think we, we did a little bit of carb cycling during this prep. Yeah. So on my lower carb days during carb cycling, I probably got a little bit lower. But my consistent dieting, I probably only got down to about 1,700. So... Definitely yeah. the amount of food and the amount of calories I'm on would probably have to be the biggest difference. That's really good. How long did you do a prep for? Uh, about 20 to 22 weeks. So what was your starting weight um, for, like in the off season? And then what was your end up comp weight if you weighed yourself around peak week? So I started at about 60 kilos. And before Queensland, I got to 49.9. Yeah. Before New South Wales, I was 50.5. And before Arnold's, I was 50.9. So I was actually, yeah, I know. I, it's so strange. I was actually a kilo heavier um, before Arnold's. Just a lot fuller. Did you have a refeed after the Queensland show? Yeah. So I actually had a refeed after the Queensland show. I had a refeed the Wednesday night before New South Wales Mm -hmm. and I had a refeed after New South Wales as well. So I had like three cheat meals in the two weeks leading up to Arnold's. That's interesting because I definitely think your conditioning improved 100% from the Queensland show to obviously the Arnold's and you say that New South Wales is better, but definitely harder and fuller. And it's interesting that your weight's gone up. So you probably maybe were a little bit flat to Queensland and then the cheat probably rectified that for the New South Wales. And then would you say that, um, but you also mentioned that, you know, you water loaded for the Queensland show and then you didn't for the New South Wales is what do you think were probably the main factors 
in let's say the Queensland look versus the New South Wales look being your best look? Um, I definitely think the water, water loading and the, and salt. So we didn't change anything going into New South Wales. So we didn't change any of my um, salt consumption at all where yeah. we did going into Queensland um, and definitely the water loading. Okay. That's cool. So it, this is something that I meant to tell everyone just to don't change a thing, especially when it comes to, I mean, if, if you look good a week out, then you should really keep everything consistent. And it's cool that you guys discovered that and you're like, Oh, you know what? It didn't work. I'm going to try something different. Now for the people that do need a water load, there are certain probably signs that your coach can pick up on if it's right for you, but it doesn't happen often. It's like, Maybe out of 20 athletes that you prep, you might need a water load one person because for whatever reason, they might be holding water. And there could be a lot of factors that, you know, which I'm not going to get into. So how much, when, it, when you refer to the salt, so what did, you, uh, what did you think you did that was wrong for the Queensland in terms of salt? Did you cut it? Did you We, we cut salt out, yeah. We, so Drink. we cut yeah. salt out pretty much nearly the whole week, which I know you've mentioned a few times on your previous podcast not to mm. play around with salt either. Um, but obviously, yeah, obviously I listened to what my coach said at the time and to be honest, even mentally going into New South Wales, as opposed to Queensland, not water loading and not changing anything. I was so much more relaxed, so much more confident with my body. I think whenever I water, well, I had never known any different before, but whenever you water load or you change salt, you kind of don't know what you're going to look like on the day because you're so watery from all the water or your body's changing so much. You can't, I was kind of stressing about what I was even going to look like and yeah. stressing that what we were doing was going to ruin how good I did look because I looked really good a few weeks out from Queensland. So there was a lot less stress involved with changing nothing. Like when we change nothing, I woke up every day going, yep, sweet, this is what I look like. This is what I'm going to look like in four days. and just went on with my day confidently That's um cool. yeah so i really preferred changing nothing 100 yeah. percent preferred changing nothing yeah I'm, I'm glad that you said that because obviously there are some people out there that have difference of opinion but um it's good that it's cool that you did both you know you obviously did something different for queensland didn't get the result although you were happy with how you looked and you were quite humble about it you obviously had a better look in new south wales which you thought was your best look and you know didn't change anything and i think it's important for people to understand logic Sometimes people question things and like you overthink things. If you look good a week out and you're having adequate amount of water, you might have having three liters of water and that might be adequate for you. And you're salting every meal or you're salting every second meal or however you decide to, to use salt. If you look great on a Sunday, if it's a Sunday, then you're going to look great on a Monday doing the exact same thing. You're going to look great on a Tuesday doing the exact same thing. Exactly. So keep it consistent. Your body likes it. If you look good, don't change a thing. Obviously, when it comes to carbohydrates, you have to, you know, you're going to have to increase your food if you're depleted from glycogen. Cause that's something that I want to place emphasis on. So when I'm saying don't change a thing apart from carbohydrates, so you don't want to really, you know, stuff around with that. So with your training as well, when was your last leg session? How did you go about that? So before Queensland, my last leg session was the week before. So I think the Saturday, was it on the Saturday we competed? So the, the Saturday before. Yeah. Um, for New South Wales, it was the Wednesday. And New South Wales was on Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a little bit closer. And then I did a leg session on 
the Monday after New South Wales. So the Monday and then the Arnold's was on the Friday. So well, each Arnold's, yeah, Arnold's was Saturday. Of, oh, Saturday. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Just like, just for the listeners so they can understand and go, Oh, take, take note. So I'm a big fan of pretty much what you did. Five maximum four, more than likely five days out, do your last leg session and don't kill yourself because obviously there's going to be inflammation from training. And some people make the mistake of, heard a couple of people that even did leg sessions three days out, three days out of a contest and they're doing cardio the night before. I'm just like, why are you doing that? That's just going to create inflammation. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. No, mine's usually between five and seven days yeah. um, before the comp. So going back to the Arnold, I wanted to ask you, you know, when you were out on stage, did you, did you feel like you look good backstage? Cause you yeah, comparing I, yourself to New South Wales. Yeah, definitely. I was still really confident going into Arnold's. I, the day before I was hoping they were going to split us into more height categories. Mm. Um, I knew, I knew that Prudence was a bit taller than me cause I'm pretty sure we've competed at an Arnold's before and she wasn't in my height category. And so I knew there were a couple of girls that if we got split into more than two, I wouldn't necessarily have been against. Mm. So when they announced there was only two, I was a little bit like, oh, that's okay. That's okay. You know, I'm still trying to stay confident. But no, definitely backstage. There wasn't really a lot of time backstage, to be honest. It was so, I wouldn't say it was rushed, but we kind of got hair, makeup, and then it was go time. Like we were lining up. So um I try not to compare myself too much standing backstage, but I was definitely confident going on stage. So um, did you think you were going to win before you went on? I, I hoped so. Um, I didn't. I, yeah, I wouldn't say I knew I was going to win. I actually find it really interesting listening to some of your podcasts about winners and people going out there to, to win. Cause yeah. I, I very much am someone with competing I make sure I'm happy with how I look that morning and I try not to let anyone take that away from me, including a judge who decides where we place regardless of how you look. So I was happy. I was confident. I was hoping that I placed to, if I thought I was going to win, probably didn't think I was going to win, but especially when they announced third and second, I thought Prudence won a hundred percent. But I, I was so happy, like beyond happy, stoked. I've worked so hard to get to where I am. So I was so glad that it paid off. That's so interesting. With um, when you were when you're on stage, because you were pretty much in the middle, right? Did you were like, were you thinking, oh, I'm in the middle, I'm going to get a top three placing here? Or well, it was really that? tough. It was because they kind of kept moving us around a little bit. They, like they did. Yeah, in Sydney, I was in the middle and didn't move, so I kind of knew in Sydney that I had won. Um, but they kind of kept chopping and changing and then they brought the top four out and then they still kept moving us around. So you, especially when they brought the top four out, there wasn't necessarily a middle person like, cause you, there's only four of you. Um, yeah. so yeah, it was a bit tricky to, to know what they were looking for. Yeah. It was cool when the top four came out. Um, cause I remember watching that. I was like, Oh, awesome. So, you know, the comparisons, especially, you know, you, you girls, obviously not just the girls, but the guys as well that have died it down all the uncertainty with COVID-19 and then to get a little bit more stage time and to be compared again. And I think, you know, when, when the judges compare you again, bring out a top four, it gives everyone an opportunity to get a proper look at. So I think it's harder, let's say as a coach or as an athlete to complain about decision, especially when they're doing another call out. So I think that was really good from a judge's point of view to make sure that they got the right decision and, you know, to give athletes more stage time. Yeah, I think it was really good. We did get a lot of stage time in the short division. I don't know about the other divisions, but um, I definitely think we got our time, which was really good. 
Yeah. Who, who did your tan, by the way? Was that ProTan? No. Yeah, it was ProTan. ProTan did it. Because I, I actually thought that your color was one of the best colors I've ever seen. So I was just curious if it was ProTan or did you do your own thing or... Yeah. No, it was ProTan, but I had done the Sydney show only... Um, or six days before. So I still had tan on from Sydney. Mm. So they, they actually told me that my tan was going to look really good because I still had underlayers. Yeah. No, hey, no shit. Like you're, and I think it was, it was really cool because it was a combination of your conditioning and the dark tan that really made you pop so much more. Did you put a, like a something on top, like a shimmer or what do they do? The protein do protein yeah. stand backstage and they put they like pat this stuff on you before you go out. Yeah, like I don't know top what. Coat. Yeah, I don't know what it's called, but I've seen them do that. Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm taking a mental note because I, I want to sort of replicate your tan for all my competitors. <laughs> so Get I'm gonna, them to I, get protein five days before and not wash it off. Hundred <laughs> percent. Pay for an extra coat, kids, because your color is going to be amazing. Don't you think? Jeez. It did. It, it honestly it made it so much darker. Yeah, because I, I noticed that, and you probably based on the photos that you've, you know, that you have for the Arnold looking at it, the, the stage lighting, which was somewhat orange, it kind of washed out the tan and conditioning, but believe me in real life, it looks so much better. So I think uh, you, you would have taken photos. You took photos backstage anyway, not backstage, but sort of in the car park with your, with your trophy. So you saw the tan. So did you feel that difference yeah. as well? In the yeah, tan? no, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. The tan was heaps darker. It was amazing. Yeah. I yeah. loved it. I want to go back to the question. So you said you prepped for like, was it 20 plus weeks out? And what were your starting calories at? Cause you got to 17, which is pretty good. Most people don't diet down and get, you know, and they're going to be eating that much or were you ready a few weeks out and then you increase calories? So like, what was the process there? No. So I, I was ready a few weeks early. So I was probably on 1700 for at least a month yeah. um, leading into the comp, but I pushed my calories really high in my off season we got up to about 3000 at yeah. one point, which I'm only short and small. So that's quite high for a girl my size. Um, I think pushing calories high in off season is quite important. So mm -hmm. when you do cut calories, it just works a lot quicker and easier. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we push my calories quite high in my off season, not always. Um, like I usually will use, for example, an event to, um, then reduce my calories again. So say for example, I was on really high calories. I had one of my best friend's weddings in Bali. So then I dieted down a little bit for the wedding. And then when I got back, increased my calories again. This is exactly what I preach. You're pretty much, um, you know, I, I like the fact that you're saying everything that I agree on. So <laughs> it, it makes it easier. So definitely, I, I think it's so important to push your calories up in the off season. And a lot of ladies, you know, love being lean. Everyone loves being lean. I like being lean. But in order to grow, you need to sacrifice a little bit. You need to push the calories up, put on a little bit of fluff, but be reasonable. It doesn't mean post-comp, just eat everything and put on fluff and then justify it and say, I'm heavier because I need to grow. That's not doing it the right way. Doing it the right way is obviously what you're doing right now. You're staying lean, which is good, but you're obviously smart enough to increase calories because that way you're going to make the improvements that you need to make. So a lot of ladies can listen to this, take some notes and go, okay, I think there's some really good take points so far. It's like, all right, posing coach, definitely need that as soon as possible. Don't make any crazy changes during peak week. Eat a lot of calories in the off season. They're actually really good tips. I wish I knew those five years ago before I started. <laughs> I, I wish I knew these tips before, when I started coaching. <laughs> right. So I, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, what motivates you? So what, what drives you? 
I'm just super competitive, to be honest. Um, I like to be the best at everything is bad. Well, it doesn't sound bad, I guess, to the other people no. listening to this. They're, they're all the same as me. So, um, yes. but no, I'm just, I'm honestly just a super competitive person um, against myself and others. Um, I just want to be better than myself. I, I literally, when I'm training, you picture what you like you physically envision in your mind what you want to look like, what you want to do. And, and that is what motivates me, just being better, better than myself, better being the best version of myself and being better than other people. hundred <laughs> percent. You got you get motivated by other people. I, I, it's funny because I've only, I've been like, if, if you probably know, I say it many times on the podcast, I'm, I don't take my training seriously. But I woke up this morning and I looked at a picture on my Instagram. I won't say what it was, but it lit me the fuck up. I was just like, oh. I'm, I'm ready to go now. So, <laughs> so sometimes it's, you know, you get inspired by yourself. Could be, you know, setting a goal and you're like, okay, I need to get after it. And you remind yourself. And sometimes you get inspired by other people. So, and I wanted to ask you, you know, what is your long-term goal with competing? Where do you see yourself? Obviously you want a pro card and you're going to get a pro card, but what do you want to do past that point? I uh, will definitely winning my pro card is my main goal. Um, I would love to compete overseas. I've never competed overseas before, uh, whether that's as a pro or an amateur. Um, it's definitely on my to-do list so to try and compete overseas. Um, yeah. they're, they're my next two goals, definitely. So for your pro debut, so, cause you are going to turn pro very soon, hopefully not too soon. Cause I'm going to have, <laughs> have people competing against you, but, uh, what would be your ideal pro show uh, in terms of your debut? Well, I think everyone's ideal one would be Arnold in Australia because home crowd, family, friends, everyone could come and watch you. Um, yeah. I would absolutely love that. I know it's a bit tricky as an Australian uh, female to get selected to compete in the um, Australian Arnolds. Yeah. Um, I know they're all really lucky they're getting to compete in October, hopefully, the pro show, the bikini pro show. Um, who knows if I turn pro in um, October, I might get to do my debut in October. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm pretty I, sure. I didn't think about that. I don't know. if Is that a thing? Maybe I'm going to ask Tony. Well, at the posing workshop in Sydney, um, Michael, the head judge, he said, whoever turns pro, he said, whoever turns pro on the Saturday can compete in the pro show on Sunday. Ooh. So whether or not they're still doing that same format I'm unsure with everything happening, but that's what he said to everyone at the posing workshop. Yeah. Yeah. I'd see like, I, I like the idea, but I don't like the idea because it's cool to jump in a first pro show, but I don't know. This is just me speaking, right? I would probably go, all right, everything that I want to do right now is to win this pro card. And then once you win it, you're like, cool celebration. It's like, Oh, hold on a second. Job's not done. But you weren't really mentally preparing for your pro debut. So I kind of like the idea of winning a pro card, and then mentally preparing for a pro debut, doing a 20-week prep or however long you need to do, and then attacking that goal. Does that make sense? Yeah, having having them as two separate moments, I think, would be special. Yeah, having so- them kind of mesh, meshed into the same moment mm-hmm. would almost be like stealing a special moment away from yourself. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, yeah, exactly. Because you're going to obviously you win your pro card, you're on top of the world, and then you're going to get humbled real quick the next day. That's I don't know if that's a, it's a cool thing to do. You know, obviously um, the ladies in Japan last year, so Steph, Steph and Cled, um had the opportunity and um, you know, they, they won their pro card on the Saturday and then the Japan pro show, the Olympia, the amateur Olympia. I don't know. What did they call the Japan pro show? Cause it was the amateur Olympia. So they didn't call it the Olympia, but 
let's call it the Japan Pro Show. They competed um, in their pro debut. So they've already technically done their pro debut, both Claire and Steph. But that was a cool thing to do. But in hindsight now, I look back and go, would it be better to separate the moments? And I agree with you. So I think, imagine being in that situation. You win your pro card season B and you'd almost feel obligated to say yes to compete the following day because everyone was like, what are you doing? It's like peer 100%. pressure almost. I would be like, nah, I ain't competing. I'm coming back when I want to. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so I want to ask you if, for example, season B was to go on, you were successful in your pro card quest and they offered you to compete the next day, would you say yes or would you say no? I reckon I would still say yes, mainly because I would have my family. Oh, actually, I don't know if my family were going to come to Queensland for it or not, but I think that would be special to have people there to, to see you make a debut. I, I probably would just jump on for the sake of jumping on. Yeah. Yeah. I can't blame yeah. you. It's, it's, um, it's difficult, but um, that's cool. You're, you're like, now that I've spoken to you properly, you're actually really, really humble. So I think you're going to have oh, to steal. You. you might even steal that humble title of Alexandra. I thought Alexandra was really chill, but you're just as chill as her. <laughs> Both chill. 100%. So, so what did you think? Because um, I haven't asked you about the Arnold overall. So you won the short class. And then you went on to, you know, to, to the overall decision posing with Alexandra. So you said that you weren't sure about that. After winning the short class, we like, yes, I'm good to go because you obviously wouldn't have seen, you know, who's in the tall class and who's competing and who's obviously just won it because you were before them. So how did you feel about, you know, going on to the overall as soon as you won the short class? Uh, straight away, I was, uh, I was over, like, I couldn't even believe that I had won. So I was just beyond excited when I found out Alexandra won, I said, I said to my friend, I said, I can't go out there. That's way too embarrassing. She's like twice my size. <laughs> I nah. was actually like, well, it's, it's interesting. Um, to be honest, I didn't really give myself a chance against Alexandra. And looking back at photos, I wish I could have seen the photos before going on because I think I was probably a lot closer than what I realized I was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was probably a lot, not that she didn't deserve it. I definitely think she 110% deserved it. But I think I was probably a little bit closer than what I thought I was. And I wish I knew that before going out. Not that I didn't, not that I didn't work for it or try for it. But I, the first thing I thought before going out there was like, she literally is like twice my size in height and muscle and everything. So yeah, the, yeah. the comparisons weren't as bad as you think, because uh, Alexandra was fuller in Queensland. And you were flattering Queensland. So you're like, oh, Alexandra won the overall title in Queensland. So naturally you're going to be like, oh crap. Yeah. The comparisons of you two together, size wise, you're actually not as small as you think. You're actually quite full in the delts and the legs. And you know, you stood, you, you definitely held your own in terms of the size department next to her. And that's just my opinion anyway. And obviously in terms of conditioning, you know, you had better conditioning than her. So um, the judges obviously just went for more size overall. Alexandra's glutes are a bit next level. So that's probably, you know, Very something. Insane that um, helped them out. But I, I agree with you. It was a lot closer than most people think. And definitely, yeah, you, you, if you had the attitude of, I can do this, you know, maybe, I don't know, could have, it could have shown in your posing a bit more, a bit more confident. Cause I, I didn't really, I can't say that I was looking at you most of the time in that lineup. I was just looking at Alex and I was making a comparison, but I didn't really pay attention to how you, you felt in terms of confidence. Do you think that, you know, thinking those things that you did affected your presentation? 
maybe a little bit. I, I feel like I'm sounding like I'm com- like the most unconfident person ever. And that's definitely not the case. I'm definitely a confident person. I don't think you can win a show not being a confident person. So yeah. I'm still very confident in how I look. And I definitely think I deserved to win. Um, but going into that overall, it's not that I wasn't confident. It's just that I probably didn't give myself as much chance in my head as what I think I could have maybe. Yeah. I don't know about the other girls on the day too, but I found the carpet really hard to pose on. Like I know everyone else was in the the same boat. So you can't complain, but like you kept getting like stuck. So even that you're trying to be confident. Meanwhile, going, Oh my God, my feet are so stuck on this carpet right now. Yeah. So you're kind of thinking about 10 things at once, but um, yeah, yeah, I I filmed, I filmed the short class and I filmed the tall class and um, I've got I've got footage of Shell tripping and I screenshot it and I sent it to her and she's not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it was I really a, hard. I, I need it, Rochelle. If you're listening, which you will be, I'm going to make a meme out of you. <laughs> oh, that's mean. <laughs> so, um, you know, learning learning what you've learned from this show. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to ask you because I'm I don't want to assume. What was the number one thing that you learned from you know this? series of competing, um, particularly at the Arnold's and that you're going to take on for you to, to, you know, if it's season B or your next competition venture. What did I learn? What was the number one thing that you learned that you want to implement from the Arnold? I learned lots. Um, Well, in terms of peak week, I'm not going to change anything. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's probably the most vital thing that I learned, I think, because that's going to just change my whole physique on comp day now. How did you also um, come to that conclusion? So, yeah, like, how did you guys figure that out? Not to change anything? Yeah. Uh, well, it was just by default. So, we decided not to change anything going into New South Wales because we didn't want it to affect Arnold's. Okay. And then it worked. Oh, so it was like yeah. perfect lull. Okay. Yeah. And then, so we kind of made a joke before doing New South Wales. Like, my coach said, What happens if you look better in New South Wales? Like, are you going to want to still water load and deplete or are we going to do what works? And mm-hmm. we were both kind of like, it'll be interesting to see. And then it happened. So we both decided just to keep plotting along as is and it worked. Yeah. So yeah, it was almost by default that we found out. It was really good though. I'm glad that's that we did. Really, that's really cool. So yeah, sorry. And I just wanted to, yeah, I had to ask that question, but continue. So the things that you've learned that you'd like to implement from, uh, from the Arnold. So that definitely my peak week is something that I've learned that I will implement in the future. And I think knowing that I'm as good as the best, mm-hmm. having that in my mind, I will be a hundred percent taking forward. Um, as I said, I never underestimated myself. I knew how good I was, but unfortunately we do a sport where it's not up to what you think or how hard you work. Um, it's up to the judges, but now I know that they also put me up there with the best. So I'm going to take that forward with me and it's just going to make me more confident and more driven. That's really cool. That's really cool. So if season B goes forward, are you winning your pro card? Oh, that's a tough question. I don't know. It depends who's in there, I guess, but, um, come on, come on. Don't, don't give me this politically correct answer. You don't have to be humble. You can just say, you know what? (laughs) You just, you just want to, uh, let me get, I just want to put this into perspective for all the listeners. Okay. So the short class was pretty damn stacked. I, I can't remember a short class as stacked as the one that was at the Arnold. And 
Short classes generally, you know, split into class A. Well, generally the classes of the yarn order A, B, C, D at the very least. So this was A and B. So if anything, the short class was more stacked because you had a mix of class A and B competitors. You beat essentially, um, so Christina was the nationals class B champion from last year. And she was in the overall, very, very, very close second in the overall, in my opinion, to, uh, to Shana, who won her pro card. So you beat her. That's, that's the first thing. Um, so Angela's um, been an international competitor. She, was, she placed third. She's, um, she's been pretty cons- uh, successful on, on the circuit as an amateur. She's always placing, in, she's always in the mix. Prudence was obviously the short class Queensland winner. You had Priscilla in that. I don't even know what Priscilla placed. Uh, I, I don't even she, think she got a top call out. Uh, she like she didn't get in the top four. Out. Yeah, no. she didn't get in the top four. And I thought um, that's, and she was a Queensland overall winner from last year for anyone that doesn't remember that. So that was pretty stacked. And then who else was there? You had Charlie from WA who has crazy, crazy glute development. And yeah, there's a bunch of other ladies I can keep going on, but you won that. So if that's not going to give you confidence, you know, cause obviously Christine is uh, probably looking at doing season B, just say it like it is like, it's okay I to say. I feel like I sound so unconfident. I'm not no, you don't. You don't. I'm just trying I, to get the I'm answer I'm more like you. a realist, a realist. Is that the right word for it? Or maybe I'm more of just a, a no, you're hum- no, you're humble. You're just humble, but um, I just want the answer. So are you going to win season B? If it goes forward, are you gonna win the pro card. Of course I am. That's that's the answer. <laughs> that's the for. answer you're looking for. Yeah, but that's it's the- <laughs> it's the if it's the truth and it's an authentic answer, that's what I want. Yeah. No, I definitely think I could. I mean, I am only gonna get better between now and then. Um, I mean I haven't even I'm gonna get myself a posing coach, so that's going to make me a better competitor by ten times already. Oh yeah, that's um, that's gonna be a game changer. I really think it will. So I think if I can win with good posing, but not great posing and I get my posing great. And from now to October is still plenty of time to make muscle development and the changes that I need to make. I definitely think I um, have the potential to, to win the pro card in October. Yes. Yes. Exactly what I wanted to hear. Hopefully it does go forward, but I know that a lot of competitors are sort of, you know, debating whether or not it will, it's, it'll be silly to, I, I think um, I mentioned this on a few other podcasts. So let's say if you weren't competing, take yourself out of it. If you're not competing, who, who wins the pro card and just assume I that everyone's doing it. I'll, I'll name the, the top, definitely the top four would be, yeah. uh, I think Christina still needs to maybe come in a, a little bit leaner, um, but yeah. definitely out I, of, I Chris, agree with that. She looked, this is based off photos. I didn't see her in real life, but her photos last year when she um, won nationals, did mm-hmm. she win nationals? I'm pretty sure. Yes. I think that that conditioning definitely could um, win her a pro card. Um, yeah, I agree. But Christina, Prudence, Ebony and Shell, I think that's, they're, they're probably the next four in line. I don't think I've missed anyone. Yeah. I, oh, I, Liv, Liv from WA is really good too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could pick between all those. Probably Ebony, I reckon. But I've never seen Ebony in real life either. So, again, that's just based off photos. Yeah. No, Ebony's – um. so she's definitely – I don't think Ebony's going to do it. But she's probably the most dense out of everyone, I would say. Like really, really flu, uh, full glute development. But what sets Ebony apart from everyone else is just her posing presentation. It's next mm-hmm. level. Like – not just her mandatory. So people are like, oh, you know, let's look at the mandatories. 
it's her confidence, her swag, her just her competitiveness on stage. It's almost like it's hard to explain, but it's just like, haha, I'm here. I'm the boss of the stage. Fuck off. That's almost what she does, but in a humble way, she doesn't need to say that. That's just what it looks like. It looks like you're getting steamrolled over, you know, by another competitor when, you know, other competitors around her are a little bit more novice in their posing. They're not as, they're not hitting it as strongly. They don't push the line. They don't fight for it. There's no, there's no sort of character in their eyes and facial expressions are dead. So that's what I mean. So she's just a killer on stage. And I think, um, but she, she's not going to be, I don't think she's going to be competing. So take her out of the mix. Who's, who's next in line? Um, so it'll be Christina Shell or Prudence Liv. Oh, I don't know. You've got you to lock in one. There's no wrong lock answer. Lock in one. Yeah, there's no, I think Liv well, probably I was going to say, I'll pick a tall person because so then they're not against me. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll say Shell. Yeah. Shell. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be amazing? Your IFBB um, debut and your pro card in the same year. No, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in the same year, you know what? If if she won the Arnold, for example, if if you win, like let's say Alex is doing the like yeah, Alex won the Arnold, and Alex is going to do the um the well, if all goes according to plan, she's going to have a pro debut in October. So that's the same year, but the same contest. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. As, as good as Shell is, same thing. Shell needs, needs more size. Like her structure's obviously very impressive. Uh, just needs to add more size evenly everywhere. Once she does, uh, she's going to be really impressive. But there's also um, there's also some really other good athletes out there. So the mid-year last year, was it, was it called the mid Because it went from the all-female classic to the mid-year. So yep. Taylor, who was runner-up in the overall, who should have won the pro card there, she's still in the mix as well. So she's a tall competitor and I think um, she would actually give shell her versus shell would be very, very interesting. And a lot of people forget about her because she hasn't competed since, since then. Well, that's a hard thing about bikini as well, or just, I guess any division, but you forget about who's had time off. I guess yeah. I'm the perfect example of that is exactly. I had to, yeah. you shocked me. Yo. You, <laughs> you kind of forget at who's, and sometimes you don't even know who's still competing, who's had time off, who's coming back, who's, yeah. It's so I guess you only really go off the girls that you've seen in the last six months to a year, but outside of that, you don't know who's coming back. Oh, hundred percent. So is there any other short girls that are, that you can think of? There was, there was one, um, her name's Emily from Queensland. Um, I don't know her last name, but she was supposed to compete I'm trying to see if I can find her Instagram now. She was suppo- supposed to compete um, in Queensland and Emily Waters. She has oh, a really yes. Emily good Waters. physique. Yeah. So she's, she, she's a junior as well, I think. Yeah. So she didn't end up competing. And I was just having, I had a little chat to her on Instagram. I think it was due to um, health reasons. Mm. But I think when she does get on stage, she, she will look amazing. She has a really good physique as well. And I'm pretty sure she's short. Yeah. And you know, she's, She's got like um, a pretty girl on stage as well. It's just a matter of if she, you know what, when you have the time off, you just got to make sure that you work on your posing presentation. Cause a lot of these girls, like she's made some really good improvements in terms of muscle development. She's almost ready in terms of pro size. I think probably needs a bit more in the glutes, but I, I agree. I think she's really impressive and I'm on Instagram as well. And one physique that I really like is um, so Courtney from, from Queensland, the taller competitor. Who did she? Um, oh, the tall one. Yeah. Yeah. So she placed 
second at nationals last year to live. I think the reason why she probably played second was Liv was just in better conditioning. And I think that Courtney needed to fill out a bit more. She's actually an ICN pro as well. So I'm assuming, well, not I'm assuming she's ICN pro. She's probably natural competitor and being a taller natural competitor that takes a lot of time to fill out your frame, but structurally she's actually really nice to look at. I'll send you a profile. Um, when yeah. Can you, this. I can't find it. Oh, I'll, send, you know who, you know I'll um, send it to you now. I forgot about who I really like. So think is M M Beraldo. Embraldo, yep. Yeah, she's so, yeah. really good. Yeah, so M for anyone that's listening, Embraldo has been competing for a while. She did uh, the Amateur Olympia second last year, and then at the Arnold this year she placed fourth. Because uh, I checked out the scorecard, so yeah, I just sent you. Yes, I got it. Yeah, so if you look at her structurally in that shot, you're like, oh, she needs to fill out her frame. There's not a rear shot of her, unfortunately, but when she hits her rear shot, the surface area of her glute is quite large. Oh, really? Yeah, she's got really nice glute insertions. You can't tell in those photos, even if you scroll. So maybe on her Instagram somewhere, there's a proper rear shot of her. And Her body is... Oh, you go. No, she actually even competed at the Arnold uh, last year and she was in the overall lineup place second to, to Nicole Tan. So she's a veteran. She's been in the mix. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. She, her body looks a little bit like Nessa's. Nessa, um, the IFBB pro. Their body shapes are quite similar, I think. Here we go. I just found a front shot. Oh, she, yes. But I haven't got a yeah, – there's, yeah. no, there's no rear shot here. But, yeah, believe me, she's quite impressive. She's been on my radar for a while. I think um, once she gets a bit more size and the better conditioning, she's a big, big problem in the, in the tall class as well as for a pro card because she just uh, she looks like a true bikini athlete. Yeah, she really does. I've never seen her before. Yeah, well. yeah no, she's good. So, so, so her, I would say in the tall class, Courtney and Taylor are very impressive. And if anyone's like, oh, who's Courtney, who's Taylor, just send me a message and I'll show you, <laughs> I'll show you their profile so you can have a good look at them. We can follow them. Um, I would just say uh, Bikini Bomb Bambi is her Instagram handle. So you can check out her. And it's probably easier if I just do a shout out here, isn't it? And then... Taylor is T and then Taylor Madison. So you can check both of those girls out in the tall class. Uh, both of them very, very good if they compete season B. Um, it would be, I'd love to see those two together with Shell because both of them have very nice structures and Shell obviously has a nice structure and probably all three of them need a bit more size, Taylor being the bigger of the three. But yeah, that would be a really nice tall class. That would be tough. Who knows what's going to happen, but bikini in Australia is getting definitely more exciting because I think the level, the standards just increasing. Like even I was super impressed with Priscilla because um, you competing in the same lineup, you don't really probably get to look at the competitors, especially when they're live, but her conditioning improvements are insane from winning her overall Queensland title last year to, you know, to getting a second call out the Arnold, the second call out was probably, it's a tough to get a second call out, but considering the lineup, you can sort of understand why that happened. But I just really liked her conditioning improvements. Between shows, you mean? Uh, just from the or Queensland, from last season. The Queens, yeah, last season, Queensland state show. Yeah. Um, and even at nationals, she placed out, outside the top three at nationals, but then that package to the Arnold, she improved dramatically, not just in conditioning, but also size. And it's hard to do that when you're competing regularly. And I think she stayed pretty lean. Yeah, she stayed pretty lean in the in her off season. But I'm, I don't know how long she was in a surplus for. So she does. Say, she appears like she stays quite small all year round. Yeah. 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 So it's Based um. Yeah. Now she looks in pretty good condition. That's the thing. I, I think I mentioned her saying 
or maybe in, I don't know, January or something. And I said, you look awesome. Cause I was like, why is she so conditioned? But I think she probably thought looking at the nationals photos that I need to get in really good condition and that she definitely achieved that. And she probably had phases where she was increasing calories with her coach, you know, in between surplus diet, you know, surplus deficit, surplus deficit type of thing. And then, you know, went and did the Queensland show and then the Arnold's. I wanted to um, ask you as well, because going, going back to your prep, so what type of cardio did you like to do? And this was a listener question and, and, and why? Um, I like both list and hit. I, it's really strange. I probably do more hit in my off season than during prep. Um, during prep, I normally just do walk and stepper and hit. I normally do maybe twice a week. Um, but I don't, I didn't do hit the whole way through. So I probably didn't do hit training until maybe about halfway through. And then I stopped maybe two weeks out, three weeks out. I stopped doing hit. And was that, um, you stopped because you were ready in terms of conditioning? Uh, and just energy. Yeah. Just to save my energy. Um, but I actually do a lot of CrossFit in my off season. Um, uh. Yeah, so I, I love CrossFit. I do a fair bit of not a, a, I don't do it full time. So I do CrossFit about three times a week. What's, um, with, what's with you girls doing CrossFit? I, I haven't released the episode. I did. Um, this is a spoiler alert, but no one's going to listen to this before the Asher episode. But I did that episode with Asher, and she does CrossFit as well. What the, what's all you girls doing CrossFit? I love it. I <laughs> well, I just love. And you get a different feeling than when you train weights. So mm. it's, you, you just, I, I can't really explain it, but it's like a different pushing yourself. Like I just love the feeling that I get from it. Um, I was a little bit nervous about my midsection, which you were talking about a few podcasts ago about um, doing mm. compound lifts and your waist. And it actually was a concern of my own doing so much compound lifting. Like there's a lot of squatting and cleans and snatching, which yeah. Um, I definitely think did make my midsection thicker. I don't think it made it too thick. I actually think it, it made it, uh, more conditioned. I think it actually helped my midsection, but moving forward, I would have to be very careful, um, about it getting any bigger. Um, so would would you say the density just increased? So you you have more, so when the develop, so what we're probably just for the audience, um, there's a difference between, you know, let's say having a small waist. And or let's just, I won't even say small waist. I'll say development in the waist. And, you know, if you're going to do CrossFit or if you're going to train your abs all the time or however way you stimulate your core, you're going to develop your abs. So I think, you know, your midsection looked really good because it was developed, but it's not overly yeah. developed where you have thicker obliques. That's exactly right. Yeah, I yeah. would have to agree. So it definitely helped with my development. Like even putting photos from before and after, I actually put one up last night and the difference between the development yeah. and my midsection is crazy. And I think that's a lot to do with CrossFit. Um, but moving forward, that was a very roundabout answer again from cardio. <laughs> that, that's okay. You're, you're, you're very you could do your own podcast. You're kind of like me. You're crazy. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, CrossFit's a type of hit training in a way. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, if you have a look at the photo, it's made my midsection like just, yeah, very different. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking at it now actually because I, I like the photo uh, – yesterday but i think i didn't realize it was a multiple thing like a, like there was multiple oh, photos yeah. i think i just looked at the first photo and i was like oh yeah that's cool but now i'm looking at the others and um yeah well look you it's definitely your conditioning's improved in terms of you know obviously your body fat levels have gone down and obviously your density the development there is um there but i, I would say that 
it's probably perfect density. I wouldn't recommend maybe going any more than that though. That's a, yeah, that's exactly right. It's a very fine line. Mm. No, that's really cool. Actually really impressive. So uh, that was yeah my stage journey starting in 2015. So, so for- the, the photos at the end in the bright pink bikini, that was my very first comp. And I, it's, I won that comp. Look at your legs. See those calves. I'm jelly. So I I probably complain on every podcast that I've got the shittest calves and I just look at your calves and I'm like, wow. (laughs) But I feel like if, if I, in that pink bikini, if I got on a junior stage like that now, the, the junior girls now are just insane. Like, I don't, I don't know how junior girls look like that now. There's some really cool juniors coming up for next year. Like, dangerous dangerous i think some of the juniors are probably you know not wanting to do season b because it's like oh, i'm a junior you know it's my first contest and the uncertainty of you know whether or not it's going to go forward probably puts people off so a couple of my juniors competitors i've got some really good ones even ones that want to do this season b like i'm keeping them undercover like i'll, I'll send you off air um that way i remember yeah, and, you'll, and, you'll be, and like i got a, i just started with someone i won't say what her name is i don't put too much pressure on her but um, she sent me photos and I actually said, holy shit, like WTF, because I didn't expect her to look that good. She, she's dieted down for a contest. It didn't um, come to fruition. She's done her own reverse diet and she's still in contest condition. She didn't bin. She was just oh, like, wow. nah, job's not done. I'm ready to rock. She sent me photos and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like you look like your contest condition. I didn't tell her that, but I said, what well, WTF. So some of these girls are just really have the strongest minds and they're just ready to kill it. And I think the reason why these juniors are stepping their game up is because open competitors like yourself have really raised the bar, the conditioning, the size, everything's just improved. So naturally, you know, the juniors look up to someone like you and go, Oh wow, look, you know, Shannon's awesome. I want to look like that. And they start early and it's like the, you know, the four minute mile concept, the first person that does it, you know, it seems so difficult, but when they do it, everyone else can start doing it. So I think you've, yeah. you know, yeah, you've, led, 100%. you've definitely set the standard, especially for the short class. I think definitely as well in terms of the juniors, just even having social media, I think has it, probably, yeah. in, well, I don't know if inspired is the right word, but encourage inspired athletes to probably start younger. Like when I first competed, I don't even think Instagram was really a thing when now you know, they, as you said, they can see these more senior competitors every single day on their phones, which then inspires them to be better, train harder, all of the above. Yep. Definitely agree with that. So I want to go back to some questions. Now I've got to to skim through these ones. I've sort of lost my place. So how was the progression between the state and nationals um, coping with the uncertainty? And this was submitted through your Instagram. In terms of diet and training, um, it was fine. Like I never once thought like about cheating on my diet or never once thought about skipping a session. Um, I'm assuming the person who asked the questions meaning uncertainty and whether or not the show was going ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was never once where I was questioning whether or not I actually could keep dieting or training. Um, I was always going but I was actually really worried about getting stuck in Melbourne (laughs) (laughs) because, because it was, and I guess from people like it, cause I work right up until all of my comps, I don't have any time off work. So there was people at work going, you know, you can't go, you're going to get stuck there or you're going to have to come back and you're not going to be able to come back to work for two weeks. And so that was that like the possibility of getting stuck in Melbourne or, 
having to go into quarantine when I get back kind of scared me a little bit. But in mm. terms of dieting, training, actually getting on stage, it didn't it didn't change my game plan at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it didn't change it at all. Yeah. Mm, like it's, it's definitely a big challenge being a black, black swan event. And I've spoken to a few people about it. It's difficult to, to know what's happening because this has never happened before. And then obviously for anyone that doesn't remember or anyone that's listening, that wasn't aware in the lead up to the Arnold's, there was no venue confirmed because the Melbourne convention center, the plenary was not available. Tony made it very clear as in Tony Doherty and a lot of the athletes were waiting for a venue to be announced because there was nothing confirmed. And obviously the pro league and Tony were looking for a venue. And I think the venue was released. Maybe was it two or three days out? Not even, I think the venue was released like the day before it was kept secret for a long time. Um, I don't know whether that they didn't want people like showing up to kind of check it out or why, or why they left it so late, but I'm almost certain it was, we only got told the day before. Yeah. Um, of the venue. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that in itself would have to be challenging. Was that stressful for you? Were you like, you know what, this, I know for certain this contest is going forward. Uh, I wasn't necessarily, yeah, I wasn't necessarily stressful. Like I knew they, if they're letting everyone fly there, they would have had to have had some kind of venue. Like I think up until the point of him saying it's definitely on, it was kind of a bit like, Oh, is it happening or not? But as soon as he said it was on, like, you knew he was going to have to come up with something. Um, so leaving the venue to the last minute didn't bother me, didn't bother me really at all. Um, mm. In terms of flying to Melbourne, it was one of those situations where if you chose not to go and it was on, you're like that person who didn't, you know, fully yeah. commit to it. I, I, then, I, yeah, I love your yeah. attitude, by the way. Your, your attitude is really good. You've, um, you're humble, you're chill, and you're just like, I'm committed. So... It is what it is. That's really good. Oh yeah, hundred percent committed to everything. I um, I always get told by everyone in my life I'm going to burn out, but it's just not, hell no, it's just not a thing for me. That's exactly yeah. right. Hell no, <laughs> it's it's the type of people that are saying that place low expectations or restrictions on themselves. I think, you know, when you're focused, you, there's no such thing as burning out. People 100%. burn out because they're they're doing something that they, they sincerely don't want to do. I think that's that's where it comes out. When you wake up in the morning and you're like, I want to do this. This is what I want. But if you're fighting yourself, and there's a big difference between you set a goal to compete for everyone that's listening. Because I, sometimes I got to make sure that I say it the right way. If you set a goal to compete and you know, you, you're know 20 weeks out and all of a sudden you're 10 weeks out and you're training and you're like, wow, I'm having a tough day. That doesn't mean you can just quit. It's like, that's just normal adversity that you go through. You're pushing yourself. But when you sincerely don't want to do it and you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you're not doing it for yourself. If it's competing, if it's career or anything else, that's when you burn out because you're doing something that is against what you truly want to do. And I've done that before. I've, um, I've burnt out and I've had low energy and I'm just like, wow, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. And when something doesn't feel right, you need to make changes. And I think that can be, a lot of people can probably resonate with that. So have a think about, you know, for the listeners out there, think about what you're doing today that you know that you shouldn't be doing, you know, make the changes that you need to make. Otherwise, you know, you end up like me, all kind of crazy and lunatic, <laughs> absolute lunatic. And then eventually you learn from your mistakes. And I think it's important to wake up fresh, have the goal set and truly believe in it and want to do it. If you don't want to do it, don't compete. Don't put pressure. If someone says, Hey, look, you should compete because you've got potential. And if you sincerely don't want to do it, don't do it. You don't have to worry about what anyone else says. What matters really more than anything is how you feel about it. 
You know, it doesn't, even if you've been competing for a while, if your coach says, oh, you should do the Arnold, you should do season B. If you're not ready, you're not ready. I think that is very, very important. So for you, you're probably on the opposite side of the spectrum. You know where you want to go. You're very motivated. Your coach obviously supports you. And, and you know, now you're going to get a posing coach and your posing coach is going to support you. Ooh, I know, I know. I'm excited. <laughs> very when excited. It, when it comes to, let's say, junior, because you mentioned that there's a lot of good junior competitors coming up. Is there anyone that, that comes to mind that you really like? As juniors, again, this is only, I don't really look much at juniors on social media, mainly because I'm more inclined to stalk the people <laughs> I'm up against. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no, but um, definitely Emily Waters, if she's still a junior, and your client, Shah, I don't know her actual name, but her Instagram, Shah, with the dark yeah, hair. Yeah, Charlotte Murray. Charlotte, she, her physique's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't want to name names, but I'm going to send you some juniors off here. Remind me to do that and I'll show you because there's a couple of... Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, I don't want to play favourites because some people get really butthurt when I don't mention them on the podcast. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're playing favourites and you're talking about this girl and not me. And it's like, not everyone needs to take things personally. No, yeah, definitely. I'll, it, it might motivate me to get my pro card quicker, you sending through the juniors because... Once they're not juniors, they're in opens. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, there's there's one in particular that, look, there's, yeah, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll show you who it is. I don't know. Because sometimes, you know, you give people a shout out. <laughs> but this one that I'm thinking of, actually, you know what? I'm going to do it while I'm on the phone to you. Uh, it's not on the phone. I'm going to go on the phone and do it while I'm on the podcast right now. Let's just do this. You're probably going to know who this is, but no one's seen her check-ins. Only I have. And I'm actually just scrolling on her IG. Yeah, she doesn't like. She looks good, but not nothing impressive on her IG. But this is the person that I'm talking about. Uh, I'm going to share your profile. Here we go. This one here, her structure is amazing. Like very, very small waist, oh, wow. quite broad, very big glute surface area, and yeah. um, yes. But you can't tell in any of these photos. She just like no, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no. Un- undercover. I'm telling you, like I would never say that if it wasn't like a thing. So she's going to probably be very, very dangerous in juniors and then when she does open the main thing that she needs to work on is opposing a presentation yeah very interesting yeah and it's if anyone's listening uh i don't you can ask steph car who it is steph car knows who it is that's, that's how, ma- how many athletes do you have at the moment competitors yeah Whew. i'd have to i'd have to get back to you on that i have a lot of lifestyle clients as well just people that want to get in shape that want to do transformations and they come and go and some competitors stick with me in the off season. Some of them don't, they do their own thing. And then when it comes to prep, they want to get back at it. So one thing that's really stuffed me up a little bit is as soon as COVID was you know, announced, a lot of people lost their jobs and were laid off. So that was very difficult. But now I find that like just this last week, I've just been in flux with a hell of a lot of inquiries and a lot of people have been signing up. So I'm actually really busy now again. So I had three weeks of somewhat downtime, but I'm still busy according to most people, but now I'm actually really busy. So Busy again. Picked back up. I actually like being busy because isolation is like not that motivating for sure. And the place that you're training, is that your home gym that you're training at? In the backyard? Yeah. So um, we, I have a little bit of equipment at home. I've got two barbells, um, some plates, only up to a hundred kilos, which is enough for most things. Only a um, hundred kilos. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, poverty games us, Come that's, on. Not a, that's not a, a lot um no and then just um i've only got three kilos seven kilos and 12 kilo dumbbells 
Yeah. Um, but my one of my good friends, they've actually invested a lot of money in a home gym. So mm. they've got they've got everything like cables, Smith machine, like seated row machines. They've got everything. So I'll go there maybe once a week to train. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you something about non non fitness related. So co- going to COVID nineteen. So what is your whole feel on the situation? Don't have to talk about conspiracy theories or anything, but you know, timeline wise, do you think that we're going to be in a position of some sort of restriction or lockdown? And, you know, what period of time would that be? Like, when would it be lifted? Do you think? It's really tough to say. I mean, I think they'll definitely lift the restrictions progressively um, in terms of say, for example, in New South Wales, we're at two people. I think in a few weeks they might lift it to 10. Um, Then after that, they might lift it to 50. Um, but I definitely think restaurants, gyms, bars are not going to be open at least for six, like the six months, which is around September. And I don't know about domestic travel. I think that may be six months too. And I think around 12 months for international travel. Yeah. Do you give any merit to that? There's a possibility of, let's say, a second wave of infection if they do raise restrictions? Potentially, I don't know. I I don't know. So I live in an area where it's actually, um, the rate's actually really high. Oh, really? Yeah, we're on the news like every night. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, and say for example, an aged care centre where I work at, a worker had it, and I think like six people have died now. So the area I actually live in is considered um, like a, a high rate area. Mm. Um, so it's probably a bit different for me. Yeah. So you're very careful when you go grocery shopping and you don't really, do you go for walks much? Well, it's interesting because I'm a physio for work. So I am touching people all day. So Mm -hmm. outside, like I'm still careful outside of work, but I'm probably most at risk at work. Yeah. um, Going to, I mean, we have, we have things implemented. Like I wear gloves um, we each have our own private rooms, et cetera, but I'm still probably most at risk when I go to work. So when I come home or I'm walking around, it doesn't really bother me that much. Yeah. Um, I, I still walk outside. Yeah, no, grocery shops and stuff is fine for me. Like I wipe it down and just do my normal thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't panic when I go anywhere. I think, yeah, that's, that's the big thing. Like the, you know, fear is not going to help anything. So there's obviously procedure protocol that's been put in place to prevent the spread of disease. So it's interesting. Like my, my opinion is that it's obviously a disease, but it's not as serious. I think it's more for the fact with people that have, you know, compromised immune systems where it would affect them. So we would then potentially, you know, be asymptomatic and a carrier and we could obviously infect the people that have low immune systems and that would be then a problem. I think that's the thing that's scary is the fact you can be a carrier and not know it. Mm. I think, I think that's a a bit scary, but you just got to kind of go about your day as normal, follow the rules as much as you can. And yeah, that's all that we can really do right now. I can't wait to get back to the gym. Same as you, but yeah, I've, I've bought some, um, actually talking about my crappy carbs. I actually bought a hammer strength calf praise machine. Oh, not calf raise, calf press machine. So my goal coming out of lockdown for everyone that's listening, I want calves like yours. And if I, if I don't, I've got no excuse because I bought that hammer strength piece. I'm going to start doing calf raises now. 
So you, you can't catch up. <laughs> no, you don't know. See, that would be funny. And if I was really competitive, I would encourage you to do that because it would only throw off your symmetry. Uh, and then you wouldn't get a pro card. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. that. That'd be bad advice. What would you say, I mean, whenever you talk about on your podcast, girls winning their pro card, yeah. um, I never really get brought up much, which I don't mind. I just use that to motivate myself even more. But mm -hmm. what would you say I had to do to be in the mix? Posing straight away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because yeah. like when I, um, if for Queen, let's say Queensland, um, I was very concerned with Christina coming to Queensland. And up until this point, I didn't really see, I haven't really seen your physique. I saw it on Instagram because I think I followed you before then, but um, you weren't really on my radar. So then when the top three was announced, I did see you in the top call out, but I was like, I think you were wearing a blue bikini. Was that right? Blue. Yeah. Yeah. Blue. Yeah. So yeah, I remember everything. So even though I wasn't like looking <laughs> at you, I was still aware who was in the call out. And I was like, I looked at your physique and I thought, okay, you got pretty good size. And then I, I looked at you and I thought you're a little bit flat and maybe could have been in better condition. And I think the transformation from Queensland to Arnold's, like I said, was spectacular in terms of conditioning and obviously formless. So well, even my glute, the change was crazy between yeah. both the shows. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that's what really I didn't, because obviously when I saw you in Queensland, I didn't know that you were flat. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, that my interpretation was that you were flat. Right. I didn't know. I was looking at you and going, okay, you know, cause you look pretty big in the quads and I was like, Oh, she's got big quads. I thought needs to bring up the upper body in terms of symmetry. So that's probably why you went on my radar. And then when I looked at the new South Wales results and I seen you on the overall, I didn't even really look at your physique properly. Cause I was like, Oh, I've seen Shannon in Queensland. Um, she's probably in better condition. And I was like, yeah, cool. So that's probably why I wasn't looking at it. And then your posing definitely let you down at the Queensland show. I thought, whereas mm -hmm. I would look at Christina, I think she poses uh, pretty well. Prudence proposes pretty well. Uh, Christina, I think on the scorecard ended up getting something like sixth in Queensland, which I have no idea how that happened. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah. Like obviously the conditioning needed to be improved, but I thought the, like, this is my logic, right? Cause like, I'll just say straight up, like, let's say for example, you can use Alexandra. Perfect example can be in better condition. She won a pro card, right? She beats like shell in second and then live was in third. This is the Arnold for everyone that's listening. And Okay, by that same notion, if you're looking at Alexandra's conditioning, I wouldn't say that Christina had, um, you know, dissimilar conditioning, even at the Arnold. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have to agree. Yeah, You can make yeah. that comparison in terms of conditioning. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, the size-wise is a lot, I think, a lot greater. Like, Alexandra's bigger everywhere, but their structures are somewhat similar, especially in their glutes, the delts, um, that shoulder-to-waist ratio. So I look at it from that point of view, and I'm like, hmm... You know, like, do, do you feel what I'm saying? No, a hundred percent. I, um, I hate to admit this, but I think doing, I, so I was actually supposed to wear a green bikini at Arnold's, but I tried it on the night before and it didn't fit. It kept falling down mm. and I was actually like devastated, but I think doing New South Wales so close to Arnold's and wearing the same bikini actually helped me in terms I loved of your bikini by the way the judges in terms of the judges recognizing me yeah no, I, like, I think it actually helped you no, honestly I, your bikini was perfect selection the color I thought I was like very impressed with the like, your hair makeup combination bikini who did your bikini by the way well I actually just borrowed it off my friend so <laughs> I I you know you got so a good friend I, is that the same friend I know it's a, um, it's my <laughs> she came first in novice sure novice, yeah 
Um, so I had a blue for Queensland and green for Arnold's and I was never doing New South Wales. And then when I decided to do New South Wales, I didn't have a bikini. So she said, you can borrow my burgundy one. So I borrowed it and it looked amazing. And then when the green one didn't fit in Melbourne, I was like, I'll just wear the burgundy again. So it was by accident, but it actually looked so good. Yeah, like, no, I was it was so impressed. No, it was very, very good. Um, I'm very picky with colors and hair and makeup, that type of thing. But no, it was spot on. Uh, and go. So this is where we we're probably ranting just as much as each other. So I want to go back to the question, which you said, you know, why wasn't on your radar? So, oh, yes. um, from the Queensland show, I didn't really analyze your New South Wales look. I just assumed you got in better condition, but I didn't know you had so much size. So when I saw you at the Arnold and you walked out, I was like, whoa, heaps fuller and in better condition. And I, I didn't expect you to have that type of fullness. And in terms of, let's say, so you, you were, you know, a runner up in the overall um, to Alexandra moving forward. I'm like, okay, cool. Who, who do I think has got, got what it takes right now? And I think everyone sort of really doesn't have it. I think everyone kind of needs to improve in certain areas, whether it's conditioning, whether it's development. I do agree with the judges that you need a bit more back development, but I don't think, you know, that why I was not impressed with that feedback when we were talking about it earlier on the, on the podcast was that they said everything else was great. And they were just talking about your back development need to come up. And I thought that was BS because I thought at the Queensland show, you were very lower leg dominant or and like leg dominant, I should say, and upper body need to improve your delts, your back. So I think that and conditioning was the issue. And then at the Arnold conditioning was not an issue. Fullness was not an issue. And I think it was mainly probably back and glute development, if anything, that need to improve. But posing for me is a big thing. So, you know, I've got some really good poses on the team. So like Alexandra, I think, you know, pose well, but still can continue to work on her posing. That's something that she even uh, mentioned when we did an interview with her on the podcast and something that we discussed off air. I think some of the best poses that I've seen, like Ebony is probably the best poser, the amateur poser in the country. So when I'm getting check-ins from someone like her, I'm comparing it to, to obviously what I see in the short class. And I'm just like, okay, that's where Shannon needs to work. If you had her type of posing, I would be very, very scared because her, she poses at a high level, like really, really well. So obviously everyone's going to think I'm biased because uh, I work with Ebony, but it's just facts. Like if you actually look at her posing and her transitions, her confidence on stage, she doesn't have like a set routine when she's in, in the lineup getting compared. She will change the way that she's posing depending on the judges and how they're looking at her to get their attention and will slow things down or speed things up based on people around her. She's very, very switched on. So it's not just I'm posing and practicing. It's how you pose against other people, especially in the comparison. So if some people like I'm practicing my T walk all the time, boom, boom, boom. Or if it's an eye walk or whatever it might be, but then they forget about how to pose when you're getting compared in the top call out and no one practices for that. So that's something that I would say, needs to happen for you to, to be a bit more aware and because you're competitive you're listening to this and i already know that you're going to be a problem for season <laughs> you, you are i already know i can tell so you're going to listen to this thing oh that makes sense so you're going to be ready to ready to rock and then now i'm going to include you in the mix because i just now i know the type of person you are no. so no it, def it definitely makes sense though i don't i was just thinking though in terms of me getting a coach i um because I could potentially, well, you said Ebony's not competing at the end of the year, but potentially one day compete with her. And that amateur Olympia I won as a junior, I yeah. actually had a posing coach for that show. It was different posing back then. 
Um, but I didn't realize at the time I actually competed against her and then beat her. And yep. I felt really bad. Like I felt like it was like, it was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Like you just taught me how to do everything on stage and I beat you. So yep. that is so, <laughs> so funny. So who, who was that posing coach? Um, I, she doesn't compete anymore. She moved anymore. over. No, she doesn't compete anymore. I forget her name. I still follow her. If I find her, I'll send you her. But, um, yeah, no, she doesn't compete in IFBB anymore. I think she did WBFF for a little while and then maybe stopped altogether. But yeah, so maybe I can't have Ebony just in case the same thing happens. No, I'm just <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, for you, you're going to be, I think, cause you, you know how to get in condition. You've obviously figured out the peak week situation. It's just a matter of growing in the right areas and working on the, on the posing presentation. So I think, yeah, anyone that would have not considered you as an issue moving forward in a short class is pretty stupid. So um, given, especially given the Arnold results. So I think that's just like your first step. Now you know what you need to do. I've seen your discipline because I've, I've looked at your uh, Instagram stories that you've posted up. You're still very lean because yeah, of that. No, I've tried. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that. You, most people are just out of shape and they've just gone YOLO mode because of isolation and, Oh, and I didn't do a reverse diet properly. And, and if you're one of those people, that's okay. You can stop right now and get back on the bandwagon. So I'm not putting anyone down and it doesn't mean you can't do it. Stop making excuses. Don't play the victim and get back after it. So you've done it right. And because you've, you've stayed disciplined and you have, you have a lot of size in the right areas. Like you're quite dense. So you make those improvements. Yeah. You're going to be very dangerous. So I think short class wise, um, cause Ebony's out of it. Let's say if you and Christina do it, it'd be very interesting to see the improvements that you can make to those areas with your posing presentation and Christina gets in better condition. That would be fun to watch. That would be tough, wouldn't it? That would be good. I, I wanted to ask you as well. This is the question, but this is the, my mind works like a ping pong ball. Like I'm just going from one thing <laughs> to the next with the pro show that's happening. I don't know if I asked this before, but I'm going to ask it again. If I did, uh, at the at uh, season B pro show, so the I don't know what they're calling it. It's like Australian bikini pro show, whatever it might be. Who do you think is going to win that? If all mm. the Australian pros compete, like who's your first, second, third? That's so tough. That's it, you know what. Even with the pros, though, it really depends on what look they're going for because it's hard to compare, say, a body type um, like Nessa compared to a body type like Julia, like they're completely different body types even does that make sense so i think it would really depend on what they're looking for on the day like yeah i don't know it's it would be really tough i don't know i want an i want an answer out of you though i think i reckon nicole tam would go close to winning i think her physique is amazing her photos that she posted from her prep files were just crazy yeah um i would say maybe I'm trying to make sure I don't forget anyone. Yeah. Do you want me to just name some competitors? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to leave anyone out. So I, to my knowledge, the people that might be doing it. So let's say um, Nicole Tan, uh, we've got uh, Renee, Renee Garner. We've got uh, Manuela. She's also in WA. I'm going to try to do it state by state <laughs> so I don't forget. So Steph Carr, Alexandra, Claire from Melbourne, New, uh, Melissa Carver from Melbourne, so we've got Shanae, New South Wales, Nessa from New South Wales. Am I missing anyone else? I'm going to go Nicole Tan, Melissa Carver, and Steph. Ooh. I, I've obviously, I've missed out on Julia as well. So Julia would probably be competing, I'm assuming. Mm. 
But you're happy with yeah, that top three? Yeah, I reckon those three. You're happy with that top three? I reckon. Sinead, Sinead you know, I, I'll stay with that top three. Yep, I reckon. So, so is that in the order? So you're going to call first, Melissa second, and then Steph in third? Yep. So what, what do you think gives, like I want you to justify it. So in your mind, why does Nicole win? Why is Nicole, uh, Melissa second beating Steph? And why is Steph in the third beating everyone else? I think um, based off what I've, I can only really go off what I've seen on Instagram. I don't think I've seen any of them in real life except for Steph. But Nicole's posing in her videos and her flow was amazing as well. And her V taper, her waist is ridiculously small i don't think there's anyone else really has a waist that small Ooh, um, I, I would i would say melissa carver would have that same close, that, like close, a, it, yeah 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 they both yeah. just have that crazy v and then their glutes are just even from their back shot i think there's a diff, like you can have good glutes from the side but then lack from the back or vice mm. versa but they both just have good side glute back glute the v's crazy from both the front pose back pose Yep. And as I said, even Nicole's videos of her transitions, her posing were just crazy. Yeah. When Nicole transitions from like a side booty pop to the rear and she gets into that set shot, her glutes look like ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. Her surface area and even she's got really large surface area, but it's also very 3D muscle. It's not like it's missing any development anywhere. I think she's very full in the outer glute, very full in the middle and even the lower glute. So and um, Melissa Carver's no slouch in the glute department either. I know, I know. So Melissa, so I, I, like, I'm not going to say that I agree or disagree with your top three, but why do you think Steph, for example, beats all the other competitors? Like obviously you spoke about Melissa and Nicole somewhat being similar because they both got that small waist, really broad shoulders, really crazy glutes and insertions. Both have different structures, but somewhat are more similar in terms of crazy V-taper. So what do you, what gives Steph the nod in third over everyone else? Steph probably, I think I said this before, probably has my favorite Australian physique. So I'm probably just inclined to pick her because I think, I just think her physique overall just flows like her, like everything matches proportion. Her symmetry is really good. Yeah. And, um, and Steph's actually made some, I actually was talking to Steph the other day um, and we're going through off-season photos like we made a collage like before and after like from earlier this year till now and she's made some really good improvements so i think from a flow point of view i don't really think she has any weak points now i think before i think steph definitely did i'm not going to say what they are um, but she's definitely working on them and i think by the time that season comes along those weak points aren't really going to be relevant or even noticeable because we've really focused on making sure that she flows as as much as possible. So I think people are going to be very surprised with, um, with what she's going to look like and just literally started prep yesterday, like a 25 week prep. I saw so her post. Yeah. I saw yeah, her post. She ain't, she ain't playing. So I think that's going to, when you, when you're, you know, and for people out there thinking, Oh, 25 weeks of prep, it's not, doesn't mean that you're dieting in a deficit for 25 weeks. You're just, I suppose you're following a diet and you're being structured and committed to the discipline of eating what you need to eat. You know, so she's given herself that timeline because she is taking it seriously. So if anyone wants to take a prep seriously, even if you're in really good condition, you should still do a 20 week prep. If you're really saying, I want a pro card or I want to do well on a pro debut or whatever it is, do a 20 week prep. Don't piss around and do a 10 week prep because the people that do do that aren't as committed as the 20 weekers. So you're 
giving yourself an opportunity to be mentally prepared to visualize and to make the improvements that you need to make as well as keep your metabolism in check. And some people, what really bothers me is when people start a prep, even 20 weeks, like, okay, Troy, you're right. I'm going to commit to a 20 week prep, whether it's one of my girls or someone else and the metabolism shit. It's like, why would you come to me to start a prep 20 weeks out and you're eating 1200 calories? Like, what can I do with that? You know? So it makes it very difficult. And I think um, I'm so happy that you came on and said what you did in the off season, you brought your calories back up. You put yourself in the healthiest position, the best possible position to do a prep. And that's why obviously you're eating so many calories at the end. And most people don't get to do that because no one takes their off season seriously. And I think, you know, when you do build up your calories to 3000, uh, for anyone that's listening, it's important not just to do it for two or three months and then start a prep. I think it's important to hold those calories up for as high and as long as possible. So if you're holding the calories up for six months, you know, as soon as you cut even 500 calories out, you're going to drop immediately and it makes it so much easier. And obviously, you know, when you mentioned that, it just made so much sense to me. And I wanted to make sure that everyone's listening that can take notes and go, that is the way to do an off season, putting yourself in the best position possible to do a prep, you diet down and look at your results. So apart from the posing, uh, Shannon, you did everything you were supposed <laughs> to do, I think. Yeah, I know. Um, even I think as well in regards to eating a lot in your off season, I think um, cardio is a big thing too. Like Mm. I mean, you can do a, a little bit if you want to stay lean, but I mean, if your body's used to doing an hour or two hours of cardio before you even start a prep, then you don't really have anywhere to go. So I always make sure for at least a few months leading into prep, I'm not really doing any cardio at all. Yeah. Um, and I feel like me personally, then when I restart doing even just a little bit, my body responds really well to it how much cardio would you recommend for the average person that's trying to build up their off season the metabolism the, you know so they're trying to grow in the off season they want to work on the metabolism how much cardio would you recommend the average person to do if they're eating three thousand calories oh this isn't my area of expertise i don't know if i can recommend yeah, um when when i'm <laughs> when i'm when i personally am am in if i'm in a surplus and my mm. Um, I guess my goal is to grow. I don't do a set amount of cardio. I definitely like going for walks just because I like going for walks, but I wouldn't necessarily, me personally go, I have to do half an hour of cardio sure. a day, if that makes sense. Like I don't stop myself if I feel like going for a walk or a run or whatever. As I said, I do a lot of CrossFit too. So technically mm. I'm, doing, I'm doing HIIT training three times a week. But I, and I don't even know if it's a mental thing, but moving into a prep, I like my body being used to high calories, minimal list cardio. So then when I start, I've got heaps more playing room. Yeah. I've That's got more straight up logic. Straight up logic. Yeah. You're pretty much like preaching to the choir here. Do you um, count steps or you do monitor steps in the off season and in prep? No, because I don't have a watch. I um, and I don't have my phone on me during oh, the day. I was so. going to say, yeah, you, yeah, you know that app that I was going to suggest. It's on. It's well, the default app on the phone. I know the health app tells yeah. you your steps, but my phone I don't really have on me during the day, so um, it's not really accurate. So no, I don't count steps. Yeah. Um, that's more. something that that's something that I need to do. I actually, um. I was on the, I, I was literally swamped with work yesterday. I didn't leave the computer desk. I'm pathetic, everyone. I did 670 steps yesterday. <laughs> like wow. how, how terrible. Is, I, I was like, 
I haven't left the, the desk, which I really pretty much didn't. I just went into the kitchen, uh, you know, grabbed something to eat, like ate my meals. I didn't train or anything. And then I thought about it. I'm like, I literally haven't even gone for a walk today. And I looked at, I'm like, let's, let's see how crazy these steps are. 670. That's pathetic. That's actually, I, I think that's hard to even try and get only 600. <laughs> it, yeah. Like I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not really um, that satisfied with, with saying that, but it's just fact. So I need to start. Uh, the reason why I'm saying that is, is that, you know, what gets measured gets results and it's important to keep track of things that some people uh, with my ladies, I get them to count steps or I don't, depending on their activity levels. The main thing is, is if it's consistent, but for me, you know, mentally I, I needed to get out of the house. I can't be doing that every day. So I'm going to make sure I have, I, I have a true step count. I, I do obviously record my cardio in terms of time, but steps, like I'm having a look now. This is how inaccurate it would be. It would be like um, Tuesday, 14,000, Wednesday, 10,000, but Thursday, 3,000. Mm. So, but I kind of do the same amount of cardio every day. So I think it just depends how much I'm holding my phone for. Yeah. And I guess because you couldn't, I suppose you'd be walking around a decent amount at work as well. So that probably, you know, it adds to your calorie expenditure, but it's consistent. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden it increases. It's consistent in off season and in prep. Yeah. Oh, my cardio. No, for your, for your daily steps. Oh. Like just, you're working like every yeah, day. Yeah, no, it doesn't change. Yeah, no, that doesn't change. I wanted to ask you as well. So, because even the junior photo that we were talking about on Instagram, you know, you, you, the 2015 photo, your quad development's quite, quite, yeah, you're well developed. There's a lot of density. The carbs are there. Is that always been a genetic thing? Your legs have just grown? My quads, honestly, I will have to try to show you a photo of what my quads used to be like when I first started competing. There was an Arnold's where my quads were huge. They were separated. You could see, I have worked so hard to actually decrease the size of my quads. So I would have to say that is genetics. I haven't trained quads specifically in like over three years. Obviously, lunging, deadlifting, like all of that type of stuff activates your quads. But I don't squat except for um, at CrossFit. I don't squat. I don't do leg extensions. I don't remember the last time I've done a leg press. So literally, I have to try really hard not to put on size in my quads. Yeah, because that was leading to my next question because uh, I had an epiphany moment. I'm like, I need to ask you this before we finish because we've been talking forever. But the, you know, how challenging is it for you to select glute movements? Because obviously you want to improve your glutes. And I think all competitors really can have bigger glutes. It's not really a thing where it's like, oh, you should, your glutes are too big. If I ever heard that in bikini, <laughs> I'd be surprised. No way. So, um, yeah, no. You know, how challenging is it for you to select, you know, glute dominant exercises or that at least, you know, that you'd like, let's say if it's a lunge or, any other type of movements to switch off activating the quads and what exercises do you find works really well for you to make sure that your quads don't grow when you're targeting glutes? So definitely I do a lot of hip thrusts. I do. So my, I have a, I don't know if you guys have seen him on Instagram, but the glute guru, he's one of my best friends, Aiden. So he um, does a lot of my leg specific training i think um, um i think i was stalking and I've, i come across him uh yeah you'll have to remind me when we get when we finish this and I'll, i want to have a good look at him yeah yeah so he does a lot of my programming um so mainly like hip thrusting rdls hemi curls lots of back extension or not back extensions but glute extensions like abductions cable kickbacks 
I do like deadlifting mainly just because I like to like the, I like the feeling of lifting heavy. Usually we'll always do a sumo deadlift over a conventional deadlift, but there was actually a little while there where I stopped deadlifting even to try and minimize my quads. <laughs> just oh, we, we really? Took out, uh, we took out lunging. Sumo, though. Yeah, we sumo, took right? out lunging. Yeah. yeah, lunging, deadlifts. We pretty much took out everything except for like hip thrusts, okay. glute extensions, RDLs. Yeah. Um, Sumo, um, have you ever done like deficit sumos or is that usually regular? I have done them before, but I don't do them regularly. Yeah. If you're doing that much, I mean, your, your quads must be just absolutely crazy. Like your fibers is just pinging at all times. And yeah, I'll show when- you. I'll send you a quick photo now. This yeah. was what, and that was still a season of not really trying to train them much. Okay. I'm just, um, I'm going on now. Do, 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 do. Here we go. Oh, wow. Okay. But that's, um, you're out of quad sweeps, like, and that's the old IFB elite posing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't, I really don't like their posing. But you've always had it's really so good development. Awkward. It's yeah. their posing's awkward. But then I feel like I train my glutes four times a week and they never grow. So it's just. <laughs> what are you? What are you doing for them? Do you? Oh, I know that you mentioned before when I said you got hundred kilos of weights and you got a lot of weight. So are you more of a tempo trainer or you're more sort of progressive overload? Uh, more progressive overload, but I've definitely changed my training since being in isolation. And I actually I'm think glad. in glad. terms of my glute training, it's probably been a really good thing for me. Yeah. Um, and definitely after listening to your podcast with Alexandra, is it Alexandra or Alexandria? Alexandra. Uh, Alexandra yeah. It's definitely made me think about my own training. So yeah, learned the secrets more more volume. <laughs> yeah. And no, it's, it's like what I, I try to tell everyone the same thing, you know, time under tension is so important and that doesn't mean that you can't go heavy, but I think a lot of people place emphasis on going heavy and progressive overload, which is in my opinion, a great way to have, build the foundation. But when, for whatever reason, if certain body parts aren't responding. So for example, if your program is based around deadlifts and you're trying to thicken up your, your lats, and it's not working. It's like, okay, hold on a second. This isn't working. What do I need to do? I need to look at my programming. I'm basing everything around deadlifts. Okay, I'm going to do a lot more rows now and then start start something new and then monitor your progress and then assess if any changes. And sometimes you'd be like, okay, hold on. How am I lifting with these rows? Is it explosive? Is it controlled? Am I doing isometric stuff? Holding squeezing, in my opinion, is, is the best way to do things, especially developing a minor muscle connection. I think once people develop that minor muscle connection, they can almost get away with going a bit heavier and cheating and having looser form. But I think on weaker body parts, you know, you really need to slow it down. It's something that I found like, you know, no ladies can probably resonate with this, but I used to have a terrible chest and I used to be like, okay, came from a powerlifting background. I was big on squats, deadlifts and my bench always sucked because I got long arms and I always think I need to go heavier. I need to be more intense. I put on some heavy metal in the gym and I would like, you wouldn't be able to come anywhere near me for like in my, in between my rest periods, because I'd be so focused and like my body temperature would just be like protruding heat. Like just everything's just like, get away from me. And I'd be so intense in my set and my chest wouldn't grow. And I was frustrated for such a long time. And I'm like, hold on a second. I trained my back slow and controlled because I watched the Dorian Yates video and he was all about form. I'm like, why don't I do that with chest? And I started doing that with chest. I'm like, idiot, you wasted all this time. <laughs> You know, so I think it's important to go to people. Um, so I went to Dorian Yates for that, like on YouTube, right? This was years ago. I think it's important to go to people that have achieved great results 
not necessarily for people that have genetic body parts. So like, I wouldn't ask you for quad advice because obviously you're just a freak. <laughs> Although you might have some good suggestions. You want to go to people that have had a terrible body part that have brought it up. And it's like, how did you bring it up? And most of the time they're going to be saying, you know, I slowed things down or maybe they did a lot of volume. Maybe they reduced their volume. Maybe they adjusted their food because they weren't eating enough. And a lot of the time I find with people with glute development is the form is not good enough. So they need to change their form. So they might be using the hips. They might be being you know, too explosive in the movement. So slowing things down. The second thing I would say would be food. So you've obviously got that covered. You're eating a lot of food in the off season. And then the third thing maybe could be recovery and or frequency. So how often you're hitting the body part. So those are probably three takeaways that at least I learned from doing things on myself. I think it's, it's interesting that you said that, you know, with Alexandra, anyone that's listening, don't have to listen to me and be like, oh, this was perfect. Or, you know, some of the ladies that we're interviewing now, I think it's important to go on YouTube, do some research and figure out what others are doing. Go check out what Angelica Tuxera does. And if you look at her videos on you know, Instagram story or on her feed, you'd be like, okay, she's holding and squeezing it. Or she may not be holding and squeezing the weight, but she'll have a very controlled tempo. And then maybe you can think about how you can implement that in your workout, especially if you're training more explosive, like a powerlifter or a strength athlete. It's like, why are you training that way? So every movement in a gym needs to have a purpose. So if you're going to do a barbell hip thrust, it's like, okay, what do I want to achieve? What have I been doing? Do I need to do something different? Should I record my form and then look at your form and analyze things? And that's another thing. I think a lot of people can do some self-assessment, record your lifts in the gym, have a look at your form and be smart about it and go, okay, how can I change what I'm doing right now to make it more effective? Am I going too quick? Am I going too slow? Am I using enough weight? Am I going to failure? Sometimes you'll record yourself and you'll go through the motions. You'll have really tight form, but then you're not going heavy enough or it's not challenging. So it's finding the balance, I think. Yeah, no, I definitely would have to agree. I think recording what you do in the gym is really important to I'm oh, big, big, on that. big time. And, uh, and that way you, you can also see the development changes. So not just form. If you record yourself doing a hip thrust like now and then six months down the track, you're doing that same movement, you're going to be able to see the type of development that you, you know, that you have. And it's always good to have a point of reference. So what gets measured gets results. And if you see progress in your physique, if you see progress in your form, and then worst case scenario, let's say three months down the track, you start recording your, you know, your barber thrust now for anyone that's listening three months time, you see no true development. If you're recording everything, at least you can make a change and go, okay, cool. I tried this tempo stuff that Troy suggested it's garbage or I didn't eat enough food or whatever it is. You can at least make changes because some people might find that tempo work is really good and then others might not like it. And it's also a matter of what's motivating. It's very, very mentally challenging to slow things down and to use less weight than you used to. It's so much more fun in the gym to be explosive, to even if you're training shoulders, just to lift some heavy weight and throw some weight around. Like who doesn't want to do that? Just quickly, because I know it's been going for a little while, but what about rest days? What, what do you get? How many rest days do you get your athletes to have? Um, it depends on the person and it depends if they're natural or not as well. So if, hmm, it also depends on the food they're eating. So I think I'm a big fan of six days a week training, high volume, high frequency, but I also really like, doing a five day split every now and then, but I'm, I'm definitely more of a fan of training more frequently than not. And rest days will depending on, will depend on recovery. So I've got some ladies now that are listening. 
most of my home home athlete girls that are training like home gyms, I should say they're on four days on one day off. So they might train six days this week. And then the following week on the rotation, they might have two days off. Yeah. Um, So it, it just depends. And I also tell the ladies, so let's say if I write a training program that's six days or even five days, and some of the programs, especially the gym programs that I write are really nasty in volume. I'll send you one for the lols. You can have a look at it and you can see what I mean <laughs> just to get an idea. And you might, you might go, this is bullshit, but you might want to use some things, right? But it's important to, if you've got a program and you start on Sunday and you know, your schedule day is off on Wednesday, or at least you think it is. If you feel good on Wednesday, train on Wednesday, listen to your body. And if you have if you're supposed to be training six days a week and you know, you listen to your body and you're absolutely getting, you're absolutely murdered. You get up in the, in the morning and you're aching and you're like, I can't train today, have a day off. So sometimes I encourage girls to have, you know, two days off in a row, three days off in a row, just to let them recover. So it depends on the information that you get. And I think, you know, when ladies are honest and you listen to your body as a coach, you can make intelligent decisions. But if you're coaching yourself or if you're working with your coach, make sure that you communicate so that, you know, coaching, you know what, you need a day off today. And sometimes it's six days a week training for the, you know, for three weeks time. And then you might even train four days because you need three days off because you absolutely hammered yourself and making sure that you get adequate nutrition, but it just depends. But in prep, I definitely like training more, more often than not. Yeah, no, I'm the same personally. I, I would train seven days if I was allowed to, well, you are allowed to, but I know that's not good for recovery, but yeah, no, I love training. So I'm the same. Yeah. Did I, did I answer that question or did I just give a run around? No, yeah, answer? no, no, it was good. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah. So I think everything needs to be individualized and people don't understand that, you know, the changes that you make from a coach's point of view, it's always based on the information that your clients give you. So for anyone out there that's like, Oh, you know, you struggle with your coach or you're not sure about, is my coach giving me enough you know, communication? You need to, it's your personal responsibility to keep yourself accountable as well as your coach. So you need to make sure that you communicate with your coach so he or she can make changes. You cannot point the finger at the coach and blame him or her for everything that you're not educating them on. So if your coach doesn't ask you these questions, it's your personal responsibility to make sure that you give it to your coach. Because if you are serious about your goals, you're going to be asking your coach questions. You're going to ask your opposing coach questions. If your coach is there to, you know, to coach you, it's, your coach isn't there to baby you. And I think it's a big difference. And having expectations is so important it's not important to have this crazy expectation that your coach, Oh, I didn't message him. Um, I expect him to message me to see how I am for the checking. Cause I didn't message him this morning. That's all BS. You know, you got to have an open communications line and open communication line. Sorry. That's why I said, you know, with the posing coach, who do I recommend when we're talking about those ladies before find someone that you can communicate with and that you feel comfortable to communicate with. And that's the same thing for a coach. Yeah, no, I definitely have to agree with that as well. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of girls, um, and you know what, sometimes girls start with me and they're just like, this guy's too much. And they just, you know, they're like, nah, I'm, I'm done. But at the same time, you know, you don't want people that sometimes I have clients that are just 10 out of 10. They're my favorites because I like, they're insane. They've got big, bodacious goals and they want to work hard. And then I have some others that are just like, like lifestyle. I've got this one lifestyle uh, athlete or client, I should say, she's probably more intense than some of my open competitors and i just so it's not really a matter of you know what if they whether or not you want to compete it's a, it's a matter of your attitude so if you've got the right attitude you're going to get along with any coach i think yeah i definitely think it's up to the athlete as well and i definitely agree as you said you i guess if you knew it's a bit different but you can't be expected to be babied as an athlete 
like it, it's really up to us to do the hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've only ever had one coach and that was back in the natty days, the good old days. And um, I used to send as many questions as I like and sometimes I wouldn't send anything, you know, and it's up to me to ask the questions and he would give me the answer that I would need. And I'll be like, cool. Everything other than that, it's like the game plan set. I follow the training program, follow the nutrition. I do my check-ins and I wait for things to be adjusted. If things aren't, um, obviously when the adjustments happen, I'm cool. I follow them to the T. I don't BS. And if I need to ask anything in the meantime, you ask questions. So I think ladies, uh, with your coach, do not be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to do some research. Like I said before, YouTube with exercises, mind and muscle connection, how you can even YouTube some peak week stuff or even talk to some fellow competitors. We're talking about the junior competitors, right? Like how you're impressed with them and the standard of amateur competitors in Australia. This is the golden era for education. So people, if you want to know something, reach out. Like send Shannon a message. I'm sure she's going to tell you how it is and message a couple of coaches, you know, double check the information, go on YouTube, have a look at videos. We're in the best possible position right now to bodybuild and even in isolation. This is bodybuilding central. I don't know why people are so upset for. <laughs> oh, there's it's, no gym. That's why. But it's grow time. Like, like if it really people, is, though. it really is grow time. It's like most people like you're, you're working, right? So I guess it's a little bit different for the people that aren't working. It's eat, train, sleep, repeat. You're limited to the exercises, but if you've only got plates and a barbell for home gym, do 20 sets of hip thrusts. Like, isn't that that simple? Like, do I am I the only person that thinks this way? No, that's what I started doing since I've only had a hundred kilos. I've just been doing crazy amounts of sets of hip thrust. And I actually set myself a goal of April to hip thrust every day, just oh. as like a random goal, <laughs> just as a random goal. So I've, I haven't missed a day in April. Wow. Make sure you stretch. Of, of, of some kind of variation. So some days it might've just been like single leg body weight. Are you stretching? Like, yeah, no, I do a lot of mobility work. Yeah. Cause it's first yeah, no, problems. I, it sounds, it sounds intense, but some days, as I said, might've just been like body weight banded or single leg body weight. So it's not all like heavy weighted hip thrust. No, but some that, that's smart. That is so smart because you, if you talk about, developing a mind and muscle connection the more frequent you do in the movement like you're developing neurological connections all the time and if you do something frequently enough you're obviously going to get good at it and it's not just from an intensity point of view like that's nasty that is really nasty to do some form of hip thrust but your connection that you're going to have with the muscle like do you feel like your mind and muscle connections improve since doing that so much and even just my technique hip thrusting I think it's made me think outside the box as well. You're insane. Like, you're um, insane. Hey, I'm saying it now. You're absolutely insane. So uh, you're definitely my short class. Uh, you're my, yeah, you're my pick to win the short class at national, uh, nationals now. 100%. Oh, wow. I'm locking it in. Wow. Wow. Yeah. If it so, goes ahead, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, it, um, I think it, uh, I don't know, but I do. Yeah. I'm locking that in. Do you reckon it's going to happen? No. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. say, I shouldn't say that. Um, I just, I tell everyone, cause I obviously like, you know, I mentioned Steph's prepping for it. Um, she started a prep, but I tell everyone, I think it's important to act as if it's happening because if it does happen and you're not prepping for it, you're missing it out on that opportunity. And for the people that are like, Oh, you know, I'm prepping for 20 weeks or however long for no reason. No, you're not because you're committed to something. You're going to stay busy, mentally focused in isolation. You don't want to be depressed. You want to have something to look forward to. That's one of the rules I have. Sometimes I don't actually live by that rule, but it's something that I remind myself of. Everyone needs someone to look forward, something to look forward to. 
So if every day you're waking up and I've got cardio to do, I've got, you know, training to do, I've got to stick to my diet. You're not focusing on the negatives. You're focusing on something that is developing your physique. It's healthy for your mind. It's keeping you active. Like you're, it's something to focus on and you're going to be thinking about competing. Oh, I've got to do posing today versus just, Oh, I'm, I'm not working. What do I do in isolation? Oh, I've got to train. I might train later. You're going to be more structured if you're not working, if you have, you know, a goal in mind and competing is so important. So I think I do say, I don't think it's going to go forward because of what we're going on with the, the COVID-19. I just think that the restrictions are always going to be there. We're in phase three at the moment in Victoria. My opinion is that they're going to obviously reduce it. The curve has flattened, but unfortunately there still are cases every day, whether it's new cases. And if there's no new cases in Victoria, even if it was today, I haven't checked out today's results, but there are still people in hospital and there are people that are asymptomatic, uh, asymptomatic that are not symptomatic right now. And they haven't been tested. Like I haven't been tested. I could be a carrier right now. There's every chance that, for example, if this disease is infectious as we're told it is, I go to a petrol pump. I go to Coles every day or like, you know, regularly enough, not every day. What are the chances are that, you know, the disease spread at Coles? So it's like, at what point is there a bigger issue? I don't think about things in a negative sense. I'm just saying that, when restrictions are raised and we're in phase three right now, we're getting new cases still, even though the curve is flattening. So what happens when we sorry, lift restrictions and go to phase two and then to phase one? I think there's going to be some form of restriction until this disease is extinguished. And the only way to extinguish this disease is to have a vaccine and have it mandated. And that's not something that I would, that I really like the idea of, but I think it's a strong possibility. So I don't ensure in a long answer, I don't think, yeah, season B is going ahead for that reason, because we'd have to be in phase one to be able to have a contest. And even then would have to have uh, some sort of social distancing. And I don't think a lot of competitors would like to compete with that sort of setup. As I know, you know, like you, for example, you did the Arnold, you're happy to do it. But I think knowing what we know now, a lot of competitors probably wouldn't like the idea of competing in a, in a phase one restricted environment where 60 competitors, 60 people in the audience can, can watch because people compete for themselves, but they want to be supported by their friends, family, etc. And you can't even have your coach backstage. So yeah, I just don't see it happening. No, I have to agree. As I said, going from what we are now, where you can only be in pairs to flying airports, being on stage audience, it's just, there's so many steps in between that I don't know if there's enough time between now and October for all those steps to happen. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. Do you think um, there's going to be a vaccine that's mandated? I don't know. I don't know. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure. Because that's the only way to get rid of the disease, I think. To extinguish the disease, you have to have a mandation. And then I have a ma- mandation, mandated. It's um, anything else other than that, I think would be very difficult and it's hard to say because it's a black swan event, but everything points to that. The fact that it was bioengineered and there's a lot of information that suggests that now it's not just a conspiracy theory. It's actually Wuhan, uh, the Wuhan lab is going to get really, it's going to be very interesting right now because the Americans are discovering, discovering things on a deeper, deeper level. But um, I, I need to do a conspiracy theory podcast, but it's not even conspiracy theory now because there's actually a lot of information to support what's happening. Do you, do you research this every day? Not every day. I've actually been too busy lately. So I initially researched it. A lot of, I read a lot of crap, a lot of BS information. I shared a lot of the BS information as well. And now I'm, I'm a lot more well-informed. I'm not 
on one side of the fence or the other. I don't like to form an opinion. I like to be open and to collect everything. So I have, I speak to some infectious disease experts on my DM, for example, and I ask them questions. We send each other studies. I look at it. So I do a lot of things like that. And they've helped me understand what exactly it is and what we're going through in terms of, and then also the treatment timeline. And yeah, I don't want to speak on anyone else's behalf, but I've done a lot of research and I still have a lot of more research to do. But for anyone that's listening, do yourself a favor, Google ID 2020. It's about, it's a Bill Gates patent that uh, it's pretty much about microchipping. I don't know if you've seen anything like that. I heard you talking about it on your other podcast, but I haven't actually looked it up or seen anything. There's actually, um, there's actually footage of it now. So, um, but this was actually a microchip pretty much that looked like a piece of basmati rice. So it's probably not this patent. Um, so it's the size of a, you know, like a, a grain of basmati rice or, or any type of rice. It doesn't have to be basmati. I don't know why I said basmati. <laughs> I think because I tell everyone to eat basmati rice. <laughs> eat basmati rice. Eat, bas- eat basmati rice and place it into your skin. It's a credit card. It's an ID all in one. And you can go, for example, to, I don't know, like a vending machine and you literally have an injection in your wrist. So once the basmati rice is in your wrist, it's in there, the microchip, you go to the vending machine, you scan your wrist, it picks up your account details and it's extracted. So we're going to a cardless society. You don't need a credit card anymore. You don't need driver's license. Everything's going to be connected through this microchip. Microchip. And that, that's, that's a, and so that's, that's been on the American news. So for anyone that's listening, when I do release this podcast, I'm sure you're going to message me. I'll send you the link and I'll show you exactly. This is actually actually happening. So it's moving forward. It's not, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual thing. That's so bizarre. So bizarre. So, uh, yeah, everyone's going to be tracked. There's going to be, you know, <laughs> you know, did you ever watch uh, like, um, like on Foxtel, the, the show Cheaters? No, no? I've never seen oh, Okay, it's just about people that cheat on their partners and they get caught, etc. <laughs> no one's going to be able to do that anymore because no, you're you going to be, go anywhere. you're microchipped. You're not, With forget about, right. forget about being drug, like being a drug lord. Forget about cheating your partner. Forget about anything. You're going to be tracked everywhere you go. And it's all thanks to them basmati rice gangs. <laughs> That's so bizarre. I know. So yeah, it's F that world we live in. But I think um, we should probably wrap it up now. What do you think? Time. Yes. Wow. This is the I... longest podcast ever. Oh, that, that time went so fast though. Yeah, because I, I knew that you were... You see, when someone's intelligent and they know how to talk and articulate, it just flows. So you actually did really well. I know that you were a bit concerned about getting it done, but you killed it. So well, I'll just... I, um, I feel bad. I'm probably one of the least exciting um, nah. guests you've had on your show, but um, on your all. show, on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, not at all. I think you're very humble and you put out so much good information for people. And it's, it's one thing for me to put out information that I think and that I recommend, but it's important for everyone sometimes they even get a contrasting opinion or to get other people's opinions. So that way they can implement things. Cause obviously my way of doing things isn't the only way to do things. And what I think now versus 12 months ago is not significantly different, but it has changed and I am developing as a coach and I do accept new ideas and it's important for, you know, you've been very successful this contest season and you know, you've shared some really good information. And I think, that people, especially young competitors, as well as open competitors can learn from it. So I appreciate that. Um, no, so thank you. What is your Instagram handle, by the way? Just Shannon Jennings, S-H-A-N-N-O-N, Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S. 
boom. So probably everyone follows you anyway. That's um like the open girls that have got a good physique. So, but that will do it. So another episode done. If you have any questions about this podcast, please feel free to DM me on Instagram. So that's at Troy J Thornton. If you like this podcast, please share it. And any questions that could be discussed on any other episodes, feel free to see and send me a DM. Sometimes you people don't send me DMs. You got to send me, ask me questions more. It's, it's a good thing. So don't be shy. Cause I know that once I do post this podcast, everyone's going to be like, Oh, did you ask Shannon this? Could you ask her that? And it happens all the time once the interview comes out. So, but anyway, please feel free to DM, to DM me until next time. Thank you for listening. Peace.